0: Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders' Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Grumpy. Um, are we expecting to see you in a little bit more of a pleasant demeanor after the recent three games the Islanders played here over the last little uh, four-day stretch?
1: Well, five points out of six. I'm happy about that. But, of course, bing. Did you hear that thing? That's that's my happiness, but I'm not going to be totally happy because, once again, the Matt Barzell bashing uh, continues by the useless Armadillo trots, the company <laughs> Lackey Butch, and, you know, uh, the hair-challenged uh, A.J. Malesko. Grump, 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 grump.
0: I'm sure we're going to get into it. I do want to get initial reactions, grumpy old man. The Islanders beat the Boston Bruins. I don't know, 3-0-0, have beaten the the Bruins three games in regulation so far this year. Albeit, uh, Bruins defense was a little bit decimated uh, for this last most recent game. Playing well though against the Bruins, and uh, we come away with one win in regulation against the Penguins and a loss there in overtime. Again, those are going to be th- you know that's those are three games against teams that are uh, playoff caliber teams, grumpy old man. Initial reactions?
1: Uh, we should have got all six points. I felt we outplayed Pittsburgh uh, yesterday, which was Saturday night. Uh, we gave it away in the third period, and then, you know, Chris Tang, who hasn't scored on anybody the whole year except for us, uh, did it again, another two-goal night for him, so –
0: yeah I'll, I'll be honest. It always seems like the Islanders, and again, this is more of this is more of an Islanders' issue, I guess you could say, even dating back a year or two ago. But anytime if you're running across a hard time period throughout uh, the season and you're a little bit of a lull if your team was struggling or a certain player was having an issue, play the Islanders and they're guaranteed that one player that has been absolutely invisible all season long will have a spectacular performance and it seems like Crystal Tang has just had the uncanny knack of scoring against the Islanders this season,
1: yeah, without a doubt. But here's the thing, you don't sell Crystal Tang short. He's a really good player and has been for a long time. It's just it's weird that he hasn't done anything against anybody
0: else this year. For certain, Grumpy Old Man, I'll tell you. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about it here throughout the podcast today, Grumpy Old Man. Josh Bailey, I think not tonight's game because we're recording this here Sunday. We usually record on Saturdays, Grump, but because we had a game here on Sunday and we're going to be having a few games coming up here on Sunday, Grumpy Old Man, I think we might be switching it till Sunday after games, Grumpy Old Man. Ugh.
1: I mean, I don't know, but, you know, you're messing. I am very regimented in my style, you understand.
0: Am I so, messing up your feng shui?
1: Not that. Well, not my feng shui because, you know, that's how you decorate a room so it looks good. But no, just, you know, whatever. Here's the thing I'm flexible. I know you're not, you're rigid, Uh, but I am flexible. So I will go with the flow.
0: Okay, good, Grumpy. But before we really jump into things, we have to read from our sponsor today, uh, DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action, raining from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to take a front-row seat in all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. And DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you understand how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up with using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit and the code THPN will get you a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Um, Minimum of $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details, Grumpy Old Man.
1: Um, Now, I listened. I don't think you really explained how you do it, even though that's what the ad said. Um, I'm just saying as someone, you know, I don't bet anymore. uh, So I don't know. But hey, you know what? If I felt like betting, I guess that'd be the way to go.
0: I guess I, they mentioned golf, Grumpy. We're not a golf podcast. I do want to get your take though. Do you think Tiger Woods is ever going to golf again on that competitive level and win?
1: No, no, he's done. You break your legs like that, he's not coming back.
0: I'll be honest with you though. That's he's not the
1: coming guy. Back. When doctors when doctors say, you know, you, you know, is he going to golf again? They're like, no. You can tell when, there's, when a certain injuries are so severe, it's like, no.
0: Not grumpy on. old man. Grumpy old man. I didn't know. I didn't know if you're wavering a little bit. The guy's come back from a lot. I didn't know, Grumpy. I figured I'd ask your take on it.
1: He had multiple bones, snapped compound fractures coming through the skin. You're not coming back from that. Rod's in your legs. He's not coming back from that. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe putt-putt golf, but not you know on the professional court.
0: Maybe on the old timers tour or the. And yeah, no, no, I'm not,
1: I'm really not joking around about it. I mean, it a serious accident. You don't wish that on anyone, but I think his playing days are definitely over.
0: Unfortunate for such a successful golfer like Tiger Woods, a guy who's had a lot of injuries throughout his career. Grumpy old man. I want to talk Islanders up. I That's do. Fine. I think. I think there's a lot to take in here. Um, I'll start off with this. I feel like it's – got to get out of the way, grumpy old man. We give fair and, I think, apt criticism when it's due. We also do give praise when it's due. I want to say, not tonight, but Saturday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins was Josh Bailey's best game so far this season. And we're not going to be throwing him a parade down Main Street over there celebrating with one good game. But it's just it, I just think it's worth noting, grumpy old man, I thought he had an outstanding game Saturday against the Penguins.
1: I thought his second period – I didn't think he was great the whole game, but I thought his second period was probably the best he's ever played in his whole career. Wow. I mean, but what does it say, right, about Josh Bailey? You have one good second period, and it's like, hey. But he did. He did, he, he played well yesterday. The second line played well, right? And to me, it's all because of Anthony Bavillier. He's brought the spark to that line that they haven't had all year. When the beginning of the year, when they were in the doldrums, uh, Bavillier was not playing well. He just wasn't, and the line was dead. He comes back. All of a sudden, he has that spark. He's you know going gangbusters out there, hair on fire, uh, charging into every corner because it's certainly not Croc or the king of secondary assists who do that. And all of a sudden, it's genera- that line is generating a lot of chances right now. It's, to me, it's all because of him. Every line needs a driver. Anthony Bavillier is the guy who drives that line.
0: I've never seen Grumpy Old Man someone turn what was a positive compliment I was giving Anthony Bavillier into a uh eh, yeah, but really it's XYZ is the reason why.
1: Actually it was Josh Bailey you were making the compliment. I'm about. sorry,
0: Josh, I'm sorry, Josh Bailey, Grumpy Old Man.
1: And I said I thought his second period was the best he's ever played. But I'm just saying that line, the reason why that line is playing so well right now is because Anthony Bavillier is the driver of that line. That that's all I'm saying.
0: And can we also mention the power play? And again, they mentioned it today during the game. Um, Brendan mentioned it and said how successful the power play has been ever since the came back from that uh, COVID little hiatus. Um, nine for 22 over that time period, grumpy old man. After today's game sporting a 40.9% chance of conversion there on the power play night and day better. Than it's been over the last two seasons. Uh <laughs> grumpy old man. I mean, what do you what do you chalk it up to? What do you attribute what do you attribute the success on the power play to?
1: Oliver Wallstrom and JG Pajot. Without a doubt. They both play, well, actually, they both play on the same power play unit. Um, Pajot showed a little bit last year. What you're seeing from Oliver Wallstrom is his willingness to shoot the puck. I mean, today, you know, in today's game was a perfect example, right? on the goal that he scores. And I'm going to draw a little quick comparison. Saturday night, he makes a beautiful pass to Brock Nelson, who made a nice tip, nice deflection tip, where Pajot lets it go through to Nelson, who uh, has a deflection for a goal. But here's the thing. What were they not looking for? The Penguins were not looking for a pass from Oliver Wallstrom because he always shoots the puck. That's what enabled that to be made. He does that little slap pass and beautiful. And then today, even though he scored, uh, Wallstrom scored, Josh Bailey had a prime opportunity to shoot the puck. Everybody sloughed off and backed off on him. And still, I mean, he makes a pass to Letty, who had a nice quick pass to Wallstrom for the goal. The pace of Letty's pass, which is much better than it has been, as you know, I often accuse Letty and Bailey of just kind of playing patty cake with one of nice little soft passes back and forth. This had some pace to it over to Wallstrom, and he just one-timed that rocket into the uh, the far outside corner. I mean, I thought it was – oh, there it is right there. I mean, I thought if you look at it, I had some – I mean, that's in slow-mo. And just think about it. But if, you, if we had rolled that back even earlier when Bailey had the puck, he could have walked in and taken a shot, and he didn't – he won't do it. I mean, it's just frustrating. He still frustrates me with his inability to take shot. Okay. Take
0: power play. Grumpy, I will tell you this much. Uh, number one, Josh Bailey did score his second goal of the season. So right now I guess you're saying he's scoring a goal every 10 games. Um, I will tell you this much. Josh Bailey is not a guy who shoots on the power play. I think he's gone over 100 games with, like, only one power play goal over that time period. He's not going to be a guy who's shooting the puck very often on the power play. I will tell you this much. Um, Oliver Wallstrom's confidence looks like it has taken a monumental step And it's funny, and I really think it all spurred from the goal he scored against the Boston Bruins just recently. And this, you know, the Bruins game was pretty close. It was tight, and then I guess it uh, resulted in a five-goal explosion from the Islanders here in the third period where they just took control and had a very, very dominant third period. Oliver Walsh, I think, really felt more confident in his game after he scored that first goal. I I guess we'll say it wasn't his first goal, but the first goal he really gives himself credit for, you know, his real first goal. Uh, That being said, Grumpy, he looks much more confident with the puck and on the power play. He just looks so much more confident out there on the ice. We talked about him growing and taking those steps forward. I think... It was that moment right there against the Boston Bruins where he scored that goal. I think that is going to be the switch. That was a light switch for him this season. I really honestly believe that. Some players have that light switch moment, grumpy old man. I think Oliver Walsh is going to have that, and that is his light switch moment.
1: Well, I think he's been playing well, but what does it say, right? I mean, he still doesn't get a whole lot of ice time, you know, 10 minutes a game, nine, you know, 9 and a half, 10, 11 maybe. He doesn't get a whole lot of ice time, uh, but still – what's the one thing that Trot's done well with him that he hasn't done for any of the other young guys? He'd let him play through some mistakes that he was making and let him get his feet wet. Let him play consistently out there as opposed to like he's done with Kiefer Bellows one game and you're done. I mean, I just think that's unfair pressure to put on a younger player while you see other guys, you know, continue to make mistakes and they just play and particularly veterans. And I think, That was something, and I'm going to give Trotz kudos for that, for letting Wallstrom play through kind of learning the NHL style a little bit better, Uh, and now you're kind of reaping the dividends. And if he had done this with multiple younger players, we'd be better off in the long run right now.
0: Grumpy old man. Um, Yeah, I think think he was looking a little tentative out there on the ice early. I think he has found his game. He's shown much more confident. And instead of him being more reactionary, I think he's more being proactive, especially on the offensive side of the puck. He looks much more proactive in the zone, which is what's creating these opportunities and chances. We had talked about it, grumpy old man, the trigger man position and how Oliver Wallstrom is going to be the guy in the trigger man position. We've seen it over the last two games. You're right. It was a beautiful pass there uh, by Wallstrom. Last night, Saturday against the Penguins, Jean Gabriel Pagot did a great job of not being greedy, understanding what the actual pass was intended for, and, and it goes right to Brock Nelson. He's able to redirect that, and that was beautiful. Um, power play is looking great; no real complaints about that. Again, like ideally, you'd like to have maybe Wallstrom on the first line. Pa- the fr- and I'm using air quotations here. The first line power play, because at this point, though, I. It's, you can make definitely an apt argument saying that the second power play unit is actually the first power play unit right now based off of production.
1: Well, but why, right? You have a guy who's willing to shoot the puck. I mean, that's the difference. And he can put it on net. That's the difference between the first power play unit and the second one. Ryan Pulak, he has willingness to shoot the puck. He just can't put it on net. Uh, you know, Barzell, you know, for as good a sniper, and he is a good sniper, he's a pass-first guy. I mean, Dobson will put shots on net, but – you know, he's just to put shots on net. Lee, he just stands around out there and hopes for a deflection. I mean, he's he's not a guy that, you know, is going to, hey, I'm going to put – you're never going to see Anders Lee in the trigger spot, right? Just not going to see it. No. Uh, and until they get somebody better on that unit, they're going to continue to struggle. It's going to be – it's either Jordan Everly or uh, Matt Barzal. I mean, th- those are the only two guys who are really willing to shoot the puck. On the first unit, on the second unit, Wallstrom is the guy who shoots the
0: puck. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, in the second unit, you have a lot of guys. Brock Nelson's not afraid to shoot the puck, and neither is Jean Gabriel Pajot on that second unit, grumpy old man. And again, Jean Gabriel Pajot has been hot, hot, hot. Last ten games, eight goals, one assist. Grumpy old man, the production's been unreal from him. I mean, even though he plays a lot, of, a lot of special teams minute. Essentially, he's a third line center, grumpy old man. The production has been far more than I guess what you could say his technical classified role is, even though he plays a much larger, much larger piece of the pie.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm. will definitely shoot the puck, but Nelson—they put Nelson in the Anders Lee role, which is just to stand in front of the net and try to deflect pucks. So he's not shooting the puck, if you know what I mean. He's there, you know, for garbage goals, you know, anything that's loose in front of the net. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying, ugly goals.
0: I, I know what you, you mean, know, ugly goals.
1: Yeah. He's he's not a guy who's going to be launching shots. That's that's just not his position on that line. And like I said, if Pulak could actually put the puck on net, uh, you know, first of all, guys, everyone knows I'm absolutely against having a defenseman in the trigger spot. I just think it's a mistake. You know, wingers score goals. He's got no goals this year. Why is he in the trigger spot on number one? The trigger spot on the number one power play It just makes no sense to me. Uh, but you're seeing increased uh, Anthony Mavilli is another guy who's not afraid to shoot. I'm glad he's kind of mixing things up a little bit. But I think the first unit will get there. I just wish that we had a better guy at the, at the trigger position.
0: Well, yeah, again, like the trigger position is meant to be a guy who can have that accuracy, who has the hard shot. Pulai got the hard shot, doesn't have the accuracy, shouldn't be in that position. Um, but again, it's real hard to argue right now just because of the success of the power play unit as a whole. I mean, after the after the COVID break there, grumpy old man, I mean, the, the power play unit as a whole, which is all that really matters, has been producing. Um, sure, once things kind of do mellow out, because I don't foresee us continuing at a 40% clip here the rest of the season, as things mellow out, as they always do, that's when you think okay now it's really even more important to have the guy on the primary power play the trigger man who can actually hit the net grumpy old man uh there's definitely a lot of points to talk about here grump got a few comments i want to show you here scott saying can barry please play sorokin more now that he's shown he can play in the league this is something and a point i wanted to ask you grumpy old man sorokin plays gets a shutout tonight uh look good looks solid uh last night against the penguins varlamov didn't look great. That was, and, again, he's had an outstanding season so far, so it's worth taking it in that grain of salt. But it looked like he was he was struggling. Uh, the majority of the goals were his fault. And uh, Grumpy Old Man, you could definitely say three of the four goals the Penguins scored was, was against Varlamov. He slips on the first one. The second one, he kind of just whiffs on it, goes right through his body. And the third one kind of gets knuckled past him. Those are definitely three goals he wanted back, and it wasn't a great performance by Varlamov, Grumpy Old Man. What do you think the split is going to be the rest of the season? Now that it seems that Sorokin's a little more confident and comfortable back there in net.
1: I can tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see 60-40 the rest of the way. That, that's what I'd like to see. Sorokin's game is – here's the thing. His positioning is really, really solid. I mean, really sound. You don't see him rushing. You know, That's one thing you always saw with Thomas Christ. You can always tell when he was going bad. He was all over the place. Sorokin – is really smooth back there with his positioning and he's got a great glove hand. He still needs to work on rebound control. I mean, I don't think he was, he had a couple of shots that were testing for him today, but for the most part, the Islanders defense and just limiting them to shots period was outstanding. And, you know, I could think of maybe one, only one or two, what I would consider uh, high risk chances for them today. And he made, you know, obviously both saves, um, I don't think he was superior today. He didn't have to be. Uh, and it was because of the team The team defense we played today. It was an outstanding game for us today, Sunday night.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, a little Sunday special, grumpy old man, instead of Saturday. I will tell you this much, though. Uh, you mentioned about the 60-40 split. That's ideally what Barry Trotz said when he started off the season, he would he would have liked to see the a 60-40 split. And as of uh, right now, it's been more like an 80-20 split. Brendan, Brendan also mentioned that. Brendan Burke mentioned that there on the on the broadcast today. Um, it's been more like an 80-20 split. Uh, I think we need to see that kind of starting to change a little bit. I really do. And the thing is, like, I, I, I'm i not sure I attribute Varlamov's poor play Saturday just as, like, a one-off. or Maybe he's getting a little tired, you know. You really can't take too much into account to a grumpy old man. That being said, you want to make sure he's got fresh legs. You want to make sure he's getting enough rest there. He's not a spry young goalie anymore. Goalies last a long time, but it's not like he's 20, you know, mid-20s or anything like that anymore, Grump.
1: Yeah, well, this is what we've talked about, right? You can't roll him out there every night. You got to play. The... What he's done, what he should be doing, he should be breaking Sorokin in he should be he should always been playing at least one out of every three game out of every three games so like a 67 33 split absolutely the fact that he hasn't that's on Barry Trotz you want to get him acclimated as quick as you can uh, to the NHL style and that's why i always said you know what if you're not going to play him here send him to the AHL let him get let him get some reps down there but if you're going to actually play him up here 60 40 is what it needs to be throughout the rest of the year why? Because it keeps him involved mentally as well as physically, and it gives Varlamov some rest that he's going to need because you're going to need two goalies down the stretch. You're going to play an awful lot of games, a lot a lot of back-to-backs. He needs to play a little bit more long.
0: Yeah, Grumpy. I was looking at the schedule. It looks like at least the next two weeks, Grumpy Old Man, we're going to be playing three games in a four-day stretch over the next two weeks. It looks like we've got Thursday, Saturday, Sunday matchups for at least the next two weeks. Again, you're going to want to make sure that you've got a confident goalie. It looks like Sorokin, even though he did have a long time period from one game to the next, looked like he filled the role just fine today, he felt confident in himself. We, we need to start seeing Varlamov get a little bit more rest Now that I think that Sorokin is more confident in his play, Grumpy got a few comments here. Uh, Jason Schwartz saying, Bailey is on fire, Grumpy old man. It's funny, right? He goes from struggling, he strings together a few games where he puts up a few multi point games, and all of a sudden, hey, tide changes a little bit for people's opinion sometimes. Not mine. I, I, I understand Grumpy Old Man again. I just think that Saturday, probably the best game he's played there as an Islander, the best game so far this season, I, I you know, bar none, uh, Grumpy Old Man. But it's definitely something. If Bailey starts to produce, hey, <laughs> that's icing on Bailey, top of the cake.
1: Okay. Bailey is not going to produce. Okay, he'll still get his secondary assists. Um,
0: he had a primary assist tonight, Grumpy Old Man, on Sunday. Yeah,
1: he did, but that was all J.G. Pajo honestly. And why? But why? why is that the case? because he's not a threat to shoot, so everybody backs off him. I mean, I want him to shoot the puck more. If he actually shot the puck a little bit, I mean, I know he doesn't have much of a shot either, but at least the threat of shooting the puck will open things up for other players. Hmm. I mean, he's he's just not a threat to shoot, and it drives me crazy. I yell at TV all the time, shoot the puck, shoot the puck, shoot the puck.
0: We, we talked about this, Grumpy Old Man, maybe doing a um, <laughs> a special day where we had like a time where we actually covered the game live because we did have people ask about that before in the past. Now, that would not be uploaded probably to the podcast that we have. That will just be like exclusive there for the people who do follow us on social media. Just so, again, like I'm, I'm down to try it, Grumpy Old Man. I'm worried you tell me that you like to yell and scream at the TV, Grumpy Old Man. <laughs> I'm only, I, can only, I can only wonder what, what what we're in store if we were to do something like that
1: it would not be G-rated, I can tell you that much.
0: <laughs> well, we got a comment here from Alexander saying, I've been impressed with Sorokin. He's really stepped it up when it, when, uh, when counted on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the team really didn't support him much in the first few games, but you're seeing him settle in a little bit more, right? So, I mean, that's what you want to see. That's, I mean, that's the goal, is to have him ready where he can take over the mantle as starter uh, beginning next year. I mean, that's what you want. And you want it where, okay, we can split 60-40 or even 50-50 with Varlamov going forward. That's a good situation to be in. And that's I hope by the end of the year that's exactly what we have. I think he has improved. I mean, he's had two shutouts, I think, in his last three games. Can't do much worse than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Grumpy, I definitely think we're going to see the games increase, especially as we're starting to play more of a back-to-back scenario here, Grumpy old man. Comment here from Brian P saying, Wallstrom is getting better every game. The power play is better with Wally on it. I definitely agree. And I think the confidence has grown with him significantly. It's almost like a day and night switch, at least is what I've noticed. I think it's been like a progression, but I think it was day and night.
1: Why? Why, right? What's the one thing this team has needed on the power play? What's the one thing I've said for three years? TJ, that this team needs on the power play, more talent. You get a kid whose talent is shooting the puck and scoring goals, and bingo, bango, all of a sudden your power play is working better. It's not a mistake. It really isn't. It opens up opportunities for other players. Like I said, when we roll out, you know, Letty, Bailey, the whole bunch of the pass-only crew, what threat is it? There's, There's really no threat to score. You have a guy who's willing to shoot the puck and puts the puck on net. It opens it up for everybody. Like I said, that pass that he had to Nelson was directly related to the fact that they were backing off because he was going to take that shot.
0: Grumpy old man, I like that. The pass only crew. I know we mentioned that I'm in to works of putting together some merchandise for us, but I like that. I feel like that could be a little catchy one. The pass only crew. Grumpy old man. And
1: you know who would be the, the, the guy? Would be Bailey is the number one guy.
0: Okay, he'd be the leader. Gotcha, Grumpy Old Man, the the head of the food chain. What's up, Tommy? Tommy, uh, celebrating his 50th birthday, Grumpy Old Man. I know nowhere towards the Grumpy Old Man's age, but congratulations there, Tommy.
1: He's a -a whippersnapper as far as I'm concerned.
0: (laughs) <laughs> and Alexander also saying, I think Wallstrom can be the sniper that the outers have been looking for. Uh, people were asking, you know, even throughout live streams and as of recent, like on social media, when are we going to see Wallstrom kind of step into the role and be what he was advertised to be? I think we're seeing it right now. I really do, Grumpy.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what he was drafted for, even though it wasn't Lamarillo's draft choice. Um, that was the previous regime uh, and all those scouts. Believe me, he didn't make that pick because if he did, it wouldn't have been Oliver Walsh it would have been some some ham and egg or hack
0: capable
1: of playing fourth-line minutes.
0: Stop. Grumpy old man. Give him credit where credit's due. He was technically the general manager during that, even if you don't think he had a huge hand in that pick. Grumpy old man. He was technically the general manager there. Okay.
1: He had no input on that pick because he was there for a week. He had nothing to do with that pick. Nothing. Because believe me, it would have been Joe Matadots from down the block, who can play some defense, who can be, you know, a fourth line winger. That's Joe Mat. Those are the guys he would have drafted.
0: Joe Matadots, Grumpy. I like the name. I like the creativity. Uh, Dirk, hello there from Germany. Dirk, uh, good morning and a nice win for certainly. It's a nice win there for the Islanders. And I'll tell you, with the upcoming schedule, we have seven games over the next two weeks, Grumpy old man. Three of which are against the Sabers. Three of which are against the Devils and one against the Bruins. This is a time period of this next two weeks, Grumpy Old Man, where you should be in the happiest demeanor ever because these are games that the Islanders should come away with points in and most likely wins in Grumpy.
1: Yeah. And one thing I will say about uh, Trots, when he's the coach, we beat the teams that we're supposed to beat for the most part. Um, I was re- what I enjoyed or was impressed with that we came away with five out of six points against two teams that we're going to definitely be uh, competing with for the final playoff spot without a doubt.
0: How are you talking about there? I'm again like Boston, Boston pretty much is secure. Yeah, yeah, Boston and Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. I mean, those those guys, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, your Buffaloes, your Rangers, your Devils, they're going to be the bottom three of the division. Uh, but everybody else we're fighting for, you know, that final playoff spot. So, and the fact that we came away with five points out of six is definitely, a, uh, hopefully, a good harbinger of things to come.
0: For certain. And again, seeing that the maturation process and the confidence there in Wallstrom is huge. And also again, seeing the confidence grow there. And Sorokin is also huge. Those are the pieces that I'm looking for more towards a long run this season.
1: And I want to say thanks to Dirk. Uh, I mean, cause it's like two o'clock in the morning after two o'clock in the morning in Germany right now. So thank you for listening, staying up and listening. I really appreciate it. <laughs> we won't <probably> the <laughs> up till two o'clock in the morning, but you know, not many people can hang with the grumpy old man.
0: Oh, the grumpy old man. Oh gosh. And Scott's saying Pulak needs to watch the goal by Wallstrom so he can he can see how to hit the net. Oh goodness.
1: Well, what I think I think he needs is they need to have like, you know, like in bowling, they have the little bumper things put up to keep it in the uh, in the alley without gutter bowling. Maybe that's what Pulak needs.
0: Oh goodness gracious, Maybe got and- it. Brian B. saying, who gives a fiddler's fudge about Josh Bailey? I know he's definitely – I know Grumpy Old Man is definitely in that pool. That's for certain here. And Mark A. saying, Wally is good. Yeah, definitely. Wallstrom coming in, and he's looking like he he feels very confident. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm bullish still on his future with the Islanders. I know people are like, eh, a little shaky. Very bullish on Oliver Wallstrom.
1: Optimally, right? You want a guy on an entry-level contract – who's putting up reasonably good numbers, right? What does that mean? It means you can dump some of the garbage dead wood that we have on here and not hurt ourselves offensively, which is where we struggle as a team.
0: It, it also, Grumpy Old Man, gives you more flexibility when it comes to lineups in the future. When players, for example, do go through those spells where, you know, Barry Trotz is mentioning, we need complete buy-in from players. We need more effort. We need X, Y, Z. It gives you the ability to say, you know what, we don't believe Again, just throwing names out here, not singling anybody out, but talking about the right wing in particular, hey, either Jordan Everly or Josh Bailey, you guys are on the first two lines. We don't feel like XYZ is performing well enough. We've got Oliver Wallstrom who's performing, who's hungry. We're just going to switch roles here. You have the ability and the flexibility to do that, which, again, anytime people are consistently fighting for spots and consistent roles, that always drives the best performance.
1: Yeah. But that's not the way trots operates, honestly. Uh, he's, he's had favorites. He plays favorites uh, with guys on the team. Just you hear the way he talks about some players as opposed to others when they make the same mistakes, the same exact mistakes, and it infuriates me, honestly. Um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Barzal and Pajot with the penalties, that, the two exact same penalties, and he absolutely shreds Barzal as well as the minions In the Islander cartel media that just likes to roll out, you know, Barzell needs to do this better. He needs to do this better. You know what else he needs to do better? Maybe they should sit him out for a week. And so let's see where your team is. You know what? Tonight, he was just, he was getting rode hard by some of those Pittsburgh guys. No penalty call. And you wonder why he gets frustrated. So what should he do? Yesterday, he got, and it wasn't his thing, it was a high stick penalty on Malkin, okay? It was in the defensive zone, and he did get the stick up. Now here's the thing: that thing barely touched Malkin, and the guy who's looking right at the play doesn't call it. It's the guy all the way down the ice who makes that call for the high stick, and it was a high stick, okay? And they're like, "Oh, a terrible penalty. He's oh, gotta be more careful with the stick." And then in the third period in the offensive zone, Pajot does the same thing and gets letang right in the face and here's butch making excuses for him you know what at least be consistent if you want to rip one guy for doing it just rip the other guy don't say that one guy's fine and the other one's not and then you hear the armadillos talking about it saying well you know there are good penalties like Pajot's. that was just bad luck it was a good hockey play anytime you got your stick up in somebody's face in the offensive zone it's a bad penalty barry i hate to tell you
0: Well, Grumpy Old Man, you talk about this. I made a little tweet about that, Grumpy Old Man. And again, I thought, and I always think that Pittsburgh does this. Pittsburgh has certain members of the team. I think Malkin does it. I think Latang does it. I think Crosby does it. Where they fall down extremely easy, Grumpy Old Man. We talk about this. Again, it is a penalty. It, you know, it's worth noting. It's a penalty. But, man, oh, man, I hate when I see the embellishment from any type of team. I'll say the Islanders really don't do that. Most hockey players don't do that. But the Penguins seem like they have a few members on that team, Malkin specifically, Latang specifically, Sidney Crosby specifically, where they manage to just fall down with their legs fought from underneath themselves. So, I mean, look at this. Come on. That's pathetic.
1: Okay. Oh. Okay. But – Would you not say that he's
0: being careless with this stick there? For certain he is. But this is my thing, Grumpy. Grumpy. This is my thing, Grumpy old man. Right? It's not just a one-time thing. People are looking at Matt Barzal and they're saying, oh, his penalty total is very high. It leads a team in total penalties taken. He leads a team in penalty minutes. So that's what people are looking at. doesn't matter, and it's easy to overlook that he's drawn more penalties than anybody on our team by a country mile. People overlook that grumpy old man. I will tell you, yeah, he's he's reckless with a stick. People are just talking about as a whole Matt Barzal has had an uncharacteristic year where he's taken more penalties than he has there in the past. That's what they're talking about, Grum. And I think that's where the – the um, what do you call it? The Islanders cartel media, and that's the point they're trying to make.
1: Well, but here's the thing. He's the only one who's actually engaged in trying to do anything on that team. Josh Bailey's not going to get one of those penalties. Why? Because it only does is stand around and just pass the puck to somebody. So a, oh, hot potato with Josh Bailey. He sucks. Butch, you know, Butch said another thing last night, right? He goes, "They were, they were uh, on the pa- they were a man down, and Bailey's on the penalty kill, right? So he comes skating and Butch, he goes actually drives towards the net. If you could actually believe it, from Josh Bailey actually made a move towards his kryptonite." The goal. And he actually went to it. And Butch says, What a gutsy play by Bailey. I'm like, Are you kidding me? I mean, what do you want? His children? Why are you why is it a gutsy play because he actually went to the net? That's what you're supposed to do. You're playing on one of the top two lines. And of last week, he was on the first line. Should he not go to the net? I mean, maybe, I know he's I know he's I was gonna use a really derogatory. Row! Maybe that's what maybe that's how he plays most of the time. But you know what? Man up. Be a little bit more aggressive. I don't want to hear that anytime you one time you go to the net, it's a gutsy play.
0: Really? Grump, I want to I want to stop you, Grump. I'm laughing because and again, like for people who listen to it and don't watch either the live stream or the video there on YouTube, which we post, they don't get to see the reactions, they don't get to see the give and take, grumpy old man. Josh Bailey is improving play, Grumpy Old Man. And I just love it all the time. You're like, he sucks. I, grumpy old man, I love it. You're so consistent, Grump. We got a few comments here. Uh Jerry S there saying um, bro, uh, Croc. I'm sorry, Croc Nelson needs to be demoted to the third line and bring up Jean Gabriel Pajot to the second line. More ice time, no?
1: Um, I don't. Uh, here's the thing. I don't like the fact that they're even the second line now. Honestly, I think the third line is playing better than the second line, and that's even with that other hack, Michael Del Cole, on there. I mean, at least he knows his role. Just hustle. We're not going i'm not gonna produce anything but i'll just skate real hard and try to try to do something try to get involved
0: he's he's a he's a he's a bottom six forward grumpy old man i don't know what you're expecting and he's not a bottom six scoring forward he's a bottom six forward who goes ahead and puts effort and he's essentially just a grinder again
1: that's true but josh Bailey's a bottom six forward too as far as i'm concerned he's a bottom six or two masquerading as somebody who you can play anywhere you only know can play anywhere because he's not good enough to stay anywhere he sucks. I'm sorry. he sucks. Yeah, okay. He had a good period yesterday, and he did, and I acknowledge that. But then he goes right back to who he is today, and he did have two assists today. The, the the quietest assist you ever see is from that guy.
0: I think one was a primary, one was a secondary. Or were they both primaries? No, one was a primary, one was a secondary, grumpy old man. I'll tell you this much, Grump – your hatred for your for Josh Bailey again. I'm not championing Josh Bailey. I think he had an excellent game though, tonight, tonight, okay. last time.
1: I do not hate Josh Bailey. I hate the people who think any. If he has one good game a month or a quarter. He's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, he's not. He's just. A, he's just. A, he's a jag. He's just the guy. He's easily replaced by probably a hundred players in this league, or you know, can replace him. There's nothing special about Josh Bailey. And I, once again, oh, he's so smart. You know, his eye, hockey IQ is so good. You know what? I wish his shot would be better or his physicality would be better, something that really counts for. Him. I don't care that, you know, he could play good uh, strategic or whatever. He could play, you know, some type of, uh, you know, game strategy, or strategy game. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't care about that. I'm gonna I care what you do on you. The ice. I'm
0: going to interrupt you, grumpy old man. You call so many people average. I can only imagine, grumpy old man. If everything goes well, we still have this podcast. We're still doing a live stream five, six years down the road. Let's say some players retire. I can only imagine, grumpy old man, trying to get somebody here on the podcast that you've riddled with the terms of average or below average on a consistent basis or a jag. What that would be like interacting there. <laughs> With the Grump. I always think about that. I always had that in the back of my head. If we were to ever get one of those type of players on the podcast, Grumpy Old Man, what it would be like. I don't know if we'd have to make them like a montage beforehand so they'd be able to hear, because I know they don't listen to the pod Or maybe they do, Grump. i want to say they probably don't listen to the podcast, but all the times where you're just coming at these players, I think it would be, I think it would be comical. It would break the ice. I think they'd be
1: too scared to do battle with the grumpy old man.
0: Person. Oh, grump. Is that what it is? They'd be too scared. We're gonna move on here. Absolutely. Uh Dirk saying Wallstrom's getting better and better. And he also says, so was Holmstrom in Bridgeport, Grumpy. So was Holmstrom in Bridgeport. You want know who's doing better though? Phil oh.
1: Tomasino and Connor McMichael. They're doing better. They're scoring a lot of goals in the AHL. I look yeah. it's funny. I was even gonna I was even gonna have myself a little chart, my little rolling. Tomasino, McMichael, Kaliev. Kaliev is not doing as good. And then Casper. I was going to throw him in there.
0: It's funny. It's I got to interrupt you. It's funny you mention how Kaliev's not doing so well. I think he's had seven or eight games played right there. He's got one goal, three assists, something like that. Grumpy old man. Did you know Alex Turcotte? only has played five games, same exact AHL affiliate, completely kept off the score sheet. No goals, no assists for Alex Turcott. And it's funny. I wonder how the uh, Los Angeles Kings AHL team is performing as a whole. Because, again, like Kaliev not performing, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm taking stock into that. Alex Turcott completely kept off the scoreboard. And, again, like Alex Turcock can play. I've seen him play on multiple different occasions. I saw him laid it up last year in college. I saw him perform there in World Juniors. I know Alex Turcock can play, and he completely kept off the score sheet. So, again, like I'm complete, I'm monitoring all these players on a consistent basis, Grumpy Old Man, because are, you bring it up. I have to be prepared.
1: Are you monitoring Phil Tomasino because he's the guy who I wanted? As ever, anyone who listens to this podcast knows, he was the guy I wanted worse than anybody. He's the guy I want.
0: Six, want game, watch... six games, grumpy old man, three goals, three assists, if I recall.
1: Right. And McMichael, I think, has played
0: – Seven games. He's played seven games, has four goals, and I think two assists.
1: Okay. And what's Casper have? I think Six I think...
0: games, two goals, two assists. Two assists. Again, okay. it's not all about t- points and number production down there in the minors, as we all know. It's a, it's a developmental league. It's a lot more than just numbers, grumpy old man. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, I'm just going to say those guys are putting up better numbers. And, you know, the reason why we didn't draft Tomasino is because they reminded him too much of Matt Barzal, and we know that the management staff really doesn't like him. We're going to punish him any chance we can.
0: Eric's saying great win by the Owls. Certainly it is. Um, Brian I love needs-
1: that. I loved, I loved that little – that's an old Chico, Resch, uh, Chico Rush looking mask. It's great. Just great.
0: Mm-hmm. And Brian B saying, "I got a better chance of winning a pickup game of sticks <laughs> than Pulak getting a power play goal." Again, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read it there. Just for the people who listen. I guess it incentivizes people to watch the YouTube or watch the live stream if you can, so you get to see all the content. But uh, we'll just go ahead and leave it at that. There, grumpy old man, Brian B.
1: That reminds me of that movie Blended with Adam Sandler and. Um who was it? Who Drew knows? Barrymore. No, no, no. Jennifer Aniston. Oh, no. Uh,
0: Blended is with, uh, with Adam Sandler. Drew
1: Barrymore. No, no. Barrymore. It was one with uh, Jennifer. Maybe it was Go For It. Go For It. Brooklyn Decker was in it. Nicole Kidman, uh, Adam Sandler, and uh, Jennifer Aniston. And Dave Matthews, from the Dave Matthews band, was also in it. And they had to have a thing where uh, they had to pick something up with uh, whatever they could without – actually using their hands and get it up to their faces and you know how Dave Matthews did it he picked it up with his butt and was able to move it up so I, I just made it just reminded me of that that's all oh goodness gracious
0: yeah Sorokin looks relaxed and confident net and that needs to play more I think again this is a perfect case that going forward he should get more than just the occasional rare start of hey I play 20 percent of the time you know it We expect there's going to be a little bit of a time period. He was going to get acclimated to a grumpy old man. It looks like he's pretty much acclimated to it. He's ready to go here going forward, which is always confident. He has arrived there, and that's what Brian John's saying as well there. Oh, my God, guys, Sorokin has arrived. Again, I don't think he faced crazy opportunities coming his way, but he does look much more comfortable. Probably the biggest point, as you mentioned, to work on the grumpy is rebound control, just as you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, his glove hand is – you can tell he's got a good glove hand. Now he did bobble one out into the center of the ice because he missed the snag. He was trying to do a flashy snap save and it bounced off. You know, he, uh, he's young. Well, he's 25. He should know better. Honestly, maybe Barry won't play him for another six months because he did that where Sorokin, you know, can tumble around out there on the ice, left and right, let give get wide open goals. That's cool. Uh, cause he's one of the, he's one of my guys, uh, but not Sorokin. So, you know, but that's the way trots is that said, He's really composed back there. You can tell he's getting more comfortable in the net and on the bigger ice, uh, smaller ice surface. So, I'm happy with his uh, with his uh, advancement so far, and hopefully, we get to see more of him.
0: I was about to say, and it's it's funny when you look at the schedule upcoming. Tuesday, we play the Devils, and then on Thursday, we play the Sabers, and on Saturday, we play the Sabers, and on Sunday, we play the Sabers. So, I'm thinking here over that stretch. Call me crazy, grumpy old man. What I would do, I'd take this outlook. I'd roll Sorokin again on Tuesday. On Thursday, i play Varlamov. On Saturday, i play Sorokin. On Sunday, i play Varlamov. Again, I think Varlamov, and they talk about how condensed the schedule is. I think it's nice for Varlamov to be getting those extra breaks in an extra time period off, and I think he's going to be relieved of that too where it's not like, hey, I've got to be playing every single night and be, you know dot my, dot my I's and cross on my T's every single night and I'm out there almost 80% of the time. Again, goalies used to play like that where they play, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent of sometimes games over a season. That's just not how it is anymore.
1: No, it's not. You used to have one guy who would just play every single Like Glenn Hall, I think, played, I, I want to say, over 500 consecutive games in that. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, but, I mean, when he played for St. Louis, I know he played a boatload of consecutive games for them. Uh, yeah, but goalies aren't like that now.
0: And you know what? Well, this is, and this, and again, it wasn't even like this is even back during the Glenn Hall days, Grumpy Old Man. And I was thinking about it, even think back to Roberto Luongo's time period, Grumpy Old Man. You think about his early time in the early 2000s, he had sometimes 70 starts, 73 starts in a season. It would be unheard of to have a goalie have 70 starts in a season and throughout a year. I mean, you don't see splits of 70 to 10, 10 games anymore. You just don't see that anymore. They usually rely mostly upon like a dual system. I know the Islanders have significantly relied upon a dual system here as of recent, but very rarely do you see goalies getting 80 or 90% of starts in a season.
1: Yeah, I mean, how many games have play play on average with the Devils? I'm going to say it's probably in the 60s as well uh, for a year. So, but you're right, the game has changed. Uh, for better or worse, um, it has changed. You know, we play played multiple goalies. We don't want to hit anybody. We don't want to fight anybody. We don't want to breathe too hard on guys.
0: It's interesting you talk about that, Grump. I want to get your opinion on that breakaway Casey Zizekas had where the Penguin, I think kind of – he hit him up high with the stick, didn't hit him in the face, kind of hit him in the shoulder. Um this is my point, Grump. The way the game is played today, it's certainly a penalty. But when I see that, I think to myself, I'm like, oh, man, it's just some more of the namby-pamby. You put a stick on somebody, you put a stick towards his hands, it's a penalty in today's game. The game is completely different than it used to be.
1: Without a doubt, that said, that's a penalty. That's a penalty 10 times out of 10, and I can't believe the referee did not call it. That's a penalty. should have been. A- and then, you know, Brendan goes, well, maybe he didn't call it because he would have had to call a penalty shot. That's what, Did you really say that out loud? I mean, because it's just so dumb. You know what? If it's a penalty shot, it's a penalty shot. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Don't make excuses for the referee. He's just staring right at it. The stick hits a guy in the head and he doesn't call it. How do you not make that call? And then you got, you know, I'm going to bring it up again. Sydney Crisby Cindy Crisby cross-checks, Pulak. Openly cross-checks him right in front of the referee. And then Bavillier cross-checks him, which would be a retaliatory penalty, which we know if Matt Barzell does that, oh, psh, 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 beat him down, lets everybody tell us, you can't be like that. You can't retaliate, right? But what happens What happens when Bavillier does it? Does he get reprimanded by the team? No. Does he get benched by the team? No. Jordan Everly commits a like penalty where he pulled the guy down the third period. He gets benched for a shift. Why? Why do some guys get benched and others don't get benched? And then, you know, Butch, the company lackey that he is, can't help but say, well, you know, sometimes you got to do that. It sends a message. Well, what message are you sending? That if you're not part of the, little, the click, the favorite, the, the trots click, that, you know, you're going to get benched and penalized like Matt Barzal, like Jordan Everly. But if you are part of the click, uh, then you could do whatever you want, Leo Komarov. Five minute penalty, rolls him right back out there, gives up a goal because he's slack coming back, and he gets to start and get promoted to another line. What kind of message is that send?
0: We've, I've always, I've always talked about it, Grumpy. We, you know, we we share the same exact opinion on that. But I'll tell you one thing: when I see stuff like this from Crosby, and again, I, I understand, and I try to put myself in a shoe. If that's the Islanders, let's say Matt Barzal was hit earlier on in the game, and he was, and he was, you know, cross-checked there in the boards the way he was, I would want them to respond back with that it's the best player on your team you got to respond but Matt Barzal when he does stuff like that this is my thing I, I always feel like Crosby is always go back to the reliance that the referees are going to protect him. And Again, he's getting chippy right here. Anthony Mavillier is not really doing anything. The referees come immediately to save Sidney Crosby. If that's the case, Matt Barzal is in there and he's getting rough and tumble with the guy. It's just funny. It's like it's it's always been a difference. It's always been a part of Sidney Crosby's career where you can always rely back upon the refs if you were to ever do anything like that because most certainly he's getting chippy right here in the clip or showing grumpy old man. And again, you know what? You want to get chippy, go ahead and let him mix it up a little bit. I have no problem with players getting chippy but don't let a guy go ahead and take a few swings at him you know he's obviously not taking swings don't let him take a few cross checks at him right here and the referee goes ahead and stops everything I'm like come on
1: you want to know how you stop that you send Ross Johnson out there and you have him cross check and knock his teeth down his throat he ain't gonna be doing that anymore that's how you stop it he does it he does it because he's a little bitch and he get away with it because he is protected by the officials you want to know how you stop it Anthony Bavilli took two big cross checks. Anthony should have initiated. After he, he should have went right at him and knocked this bam, knocked his teeth right down. There you go. What do you got to say now while well, you're picking up your chicklets off off the ice? Don't ever try to run me again. That's what. That's what he should have done. As I to say, Grumpy, you almost
0: use you almost just let an insanity go, Grumpy old man. I
1: almost did. I was very very close, <laughs> but you know what I didn't? Because <laughs> I can show I can show control.
0: A grumpy it looked like you were struggling there anyway uh brian J saying wallstrom needs to be on the first uh you've seen that shot yeah for certain again we talked about it actually not too long ago hey when is oliver wallstrom going to start getting more time because again 10 minutes on the ice right now he showed that he's warranted more time on the ice in my opinion especially as of his play of reason he deserves more time than 10 minutes so you know 9 10 minutes on ice again
1: well it's because like I'll say again, Trotz has given him an opportunity and let him go through through some growing pains, and now you're starting to see the deep dividends. And that's the problem that I have with the other young guys on the team, where he doesn't do that with. And that's I feel that's a mistake that he has as a coach, even though he has done it uh, with Wallstrom, but he hasn't done with other guys.
0: And Brian P. saying Wallstrom is the uh, best per- pure shooter the Islanders have had in years. I'll tell you again, he's definitely showing that he. <laughs> He's a guy who's definitely got the ability to be, with a normal season, a 30-40 goal scorer.
1: Yeah, and Barzell also has a great shot, but he's pass first, regardless of how many goals he scores. His his mentality has always been pass first.
0: Yeah, and it always will be here. And then Dirk, grumpy old man. I don't know why it's not picking up the picture here, grumpy old man. Dirk is saying uh, Michael Del Cole looking not too bad, and he won't give up in the corners. Again, he's showing exactly what you want there in a bottom six forward. He really is. is. He
1: yeah he does he does what he's capable of. Of course, as a top five pick in the draft, you'd expect a little bit more than some grinder. Um, but he is what he is at this stage of the game. And to me, I think he'd be great on the fourth on a revamped fourth line.
0: Hmm. Grumpy, it's funny, you know. Speaking about guys who were highly regarded when they were selected, and kind of fizzled out you know like I hadn't thought of in a while grumpy old man I didn't even know he was still playing the NHL Valeri Niskutsin, the guy drafted by the Dallas stars his first year rookie year had like 34 35 points something like that a really good plus minus it's kind of tailed off he's a bottom six guy I saw I saw him pop up on the score sheet I think he's playing for Colorado or something I'm not sure where he's playing grumpy old man but I saw it was Valeri Niskutsen's name and I, I thought to myself how many guys that are top 10 picks really do fizzle out and they never actually live up to the real the real status?
1: Let's see, Michael Del Cole, Nino of Josh Bailey. Um, you know, with, with a plethora of them all dra- uh, you know, all drafted by the Islanders. <laughs> Scott Sigeons. We can go on and on forever. Guys
0: who don't play that. Valerian with the Colorado Avalanche. I was curious here. And again, he also, I
1: think he also uh, after a while, I think he went back to Russia.
0: He, he did, he did, he did go back to Russia and he came back to the NHL. I was just, I didn't know he was still playing in the NHL because you'd never hear about him anymore. And again, we don't play Colorado this season at all. So I, I was shocked to see his name. And I just, I, I pondered how many top 10 picks really never do pan out. That's something maybe we'll have to explore one day, Grumpy. And then Brian J also saying, Wallstrom reminds me of Mike Hoffman.
1: I think he's got a better shot than Mike Hoffman. I think he's got a better shot. Um uh, I think this kid can be a real real big-time goal scorer in this league. He can be. I mean, like I said, I've seen – when I watched him in the World Juniors a couple of years ago, I was not impressed with the skating, uh, but he could shoot. And now this year, he's not afraid to go in the corners and mix it up physically. Absolutely not. All right, he cross-checked uh, one of the Pittsburgh guys on Saturday night, and uh, Joseph came over and kind of confronted him, and he didn't back down. He didn't drop the gloves.
0: he dropped the gloves. He was ready to fight. And okay. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I like to I like to, see, I like to see that type of mentality, Grumpy.
1: Yeah, he didn't play, you know, Brock Nelson or Josh Bailey. He didn't cower in the moment. No, he was not afraid to mix it up if he had to. And Joseph is quite a bit bigger than he is.
0: I'll, I'll tell you this, Grumpy. I've always been shocked. Brock Nelson has good size. I think he's only been in one fight in his NHL career, and it was against Andy Green, another guy who very rarely fights. I was always shocked, though, that Brock Nelson, again, he's 6'2", 6'3", only been in one fight, I believe, in his NHL career. That that fact and that stat has always blown my mind. It has. He just has He just has a very, very passive mentality when it comes to that mixing it up in between whistles, Grumpy old man. Uh Tom White says Bailey has played consistently in three straight games, and he also says, "Was Grumpy born this way, or did he have to work at it?" Grumpy. He's talking about your grumpiness. He's talking about your grumpiness and inability, I believe, to give Josh Bailey some just kudos. I think it's what I believe.
1: I believe it's uh, nurture over nature. That's what I'll say. Watch the movie Trading Places. Eddie Murphy, right?
0: You believe in nurture over nature?
1: Yeah, like I don't think you're born a certain way. It's how you're molded. Hmm. Now, Josh Bailey was born the way he was born, obviously, probably with a silver spoon in his mouth.
0: Stop, Grump. You have no idea about Josh Bailey's upbringing and background. I do not. I have no idea. Yeah, but he does say uh, Bailey has played consistently in st- in three straight games. And again, I, you know, as, as I told you, Bailey producing is only good for everything for the Islanders. So you know, power to him. I thought last night against the Penguins was an excellent game by him. I hope he can build off of that and continue to build momentum that he has over the last three games.
1: So he's had maybe four out of twenty games that have been good this year. I'm just I'm just saying, right? Because he's been terrible. He's been terrible for the majority of the year, but you never see him get sat down. You never see him get benched, right? Never. I mean, like I said, he's one of Trotz's favorites. Like I said, Trotz, you know, I never realized, you know, the level of commitment he has. I never really noticed him when I was coaching other teams Yeah, because he doesn't do anything that gets noticed by anyone. You know, he just, you know, he's just around. What's, What's his biggest accomplishment? He shows up every night.
0: Okay, thanks John. Grump got a few more comments here Uh, Michael O'Donnell says Hey Grumpy, AJ's hair has looked great The last two nights and she looks very sexy Uh, Michael saying The hairs look good, I haven't paid attention to the hair Grump The hair was not good
1: tonight Absolutely not, it was not good tonight Uh, I even commented on it I I wrote it down, what did I say Horrible AJ hair day I wrote down today. The first period was okay, I don't know She must have tripped and fallen down some stairs in between the first and second period, and it looked rough. All maybe react. it's
0: when she. I, maybe it's just. Uh, hey, I want to play devil's advocate, Grump. Maybe it's when she takes off her headset. Maybe that's what it is. Because again, she doesn't have product in her hair. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe it's just like when she takes off her headset. She takes it off to where it gets that little. I, I don't even know what to call it. Like the little eagle wing up there, Grump. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe when she just takes off her headset, that's all it is. And maybe it looks great to start, but look when the the on and off of the headset is what makes it look like that. I don't know, Grump.
1: I have a suggestion. Ask Shannon what she does. Maybe you should try that. Shannon, you know, Shannon, I mean, Shannon's hair looks nice. You don't see Chan- Shannon's hair standing all over the place. I got my own issues with Shannon, honestly. I'm not going to bring them up right now, but at least her hair looks good. At least she knows when I'm on television, I'm not going to look like uh, something, uh, you know, somebody threw a. a a bag of chainsaws in in a bag, and I stuck my head in there. It doesn't look – her hair does not look
0: so I got to stop you, Grumpy, uh, before you get too crazy. Uh, I like Shannon Hogan, grumpy old man. We've got a few more comments here, though. Um, yeah, Wallstrom and Paggio looked good together, Bill Brady. And I was about to say, you know, that – and this is my thing, right? When we're talking about what type of lineups to roll out there, I'm happy Wallstrom has been performing and he has, he's performing very well there with Sean Gabriel Pajot. That's the only reason I'm like, you know what, let them continue to develop that, that, um, that chemistry together. That's really what I'd like to see happen again, even though he's not getting as much ice on, on as he should. And I think he deserves more ice or more ice time. Maybe it's time to give the third line a little bit more ice time in general as a whole.
1: You know, I think he's, but he's been double shifting Pajot a lot. So that's to make sure that, uh, that the greatest number forty-four in sports history since Reggie Jackson uh, gets a chance to contribute. I love JG Pajot. You know, I've always loved him, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rescind one of my takes on if we gave up too much uh, to get JG Pajot. After seeing Simon Holmstrom get drafted as a first-round pick, I don't think we gave up. No matter of fact, you could probably give up five first-round picks for JG Pajot because if that's what we're gonna be drafting, what's the sense?
0: Grumpy old man on absolute fire tonight. Grumpy and grumpy as always. Uh, Brian Pete totally agreed. Grump after the guy because he's good on face-offs. Oh god, oh good. Maybe we
1: should consider drafting guys who are good at putting pucks in the net. That's I'm just, that to think
0: about. I, I tell you, I'm bullish on Alex Jeffries and William DeFore. Grumpy old man. So we'll see how that continues. And again, those are two guys that are drafted mid to late. Uh, in this last, most recent year's draft, Grumpy Old Man. We'll have to see how they continue to develop there. Alex Jeffries, though, putting up good numbers there at Merrimack College. I think uh, they haven't played in a while, though. Um, Grumpy Old Man.
1: Well, oh, yeah. I, I say, I'm going to say I I like the uh, Delfour pick. And Jeffries, I haven't I know he's up for the Hobie Baker Award, uh, which is for the best American hockey player or college hockey player or something like that. Uh, I know he's up for that. But you know what I'm not excited about? Luton and and Casper. Uh, those are the guys that you could have got much better talent at those spots, particularly in the Casper spot.
0: Hmm. And this is Alexander also saying here, um, I still think they need to make another move for a line A or a kid from the Canucks. Uh, Grumpy, I'll tell you this much. If we ever bring in more offensive talent, more offensive acumen, you're never going to see me complaining about that because if I'm looking at the team, what stumbling blocks do we have as to being a Stanley Cup champion? There's only really one, offense, offensive production. Oh, it's worth us mentioning. Last podcast I was harping on it, how the Islanders' defensive core only had three goals. Grumpy old man, we can now raise that number to four goals because after that explosion of a, of a night there, I believe, against the Boston. Was it against the Boston Bruins' grumpy old man that Adam Pellick scored or was it against the Pittsburgh Penguins last It
1: was against Boston, but why? Because they have decided to and ooh, they decided to engage the defense a little bit more. Uh, earlier in the year, we never saw our defense crashing down into the slot, ever. And now you're seeing Pellick does it quite often. You're seeing Mayfield do it a little bit, occasionally uh, Dobson. Uh, but it'll cost you because it wound up costing us against Pittsburgh Saturday night. Pellick pinches up where he should have with a three to two lead in the third period, instead of pinching up play back, he pinches up, he gets burned. And that was the only goal that I didn't fall Varlamov in was the goal that made it three to three um, in that game. You have to know when to do it and when not to do it. But I think that Trotz is finally saying to the D, Hey, Hey, You guys need to jump in the play a little bit more because, let's be honest, when you got Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey and guys of that ilk, we're not going to score a whole lot of goals. So we're going to need you guys to step up.
0: Oh, grumpy old man. Uh, Brian J. Saying, what about Brock for Ryan DeZinkle? Again, I'll put it like this. Brock Nelson, I know, has been struggling a little bit this season. Um, I'll tell you this much. I still do feel confident he will rebound back at some point during the year and the season. I did not know he leads a team in power play goals, Grumpy Old Man. Did you know that? I think he's got five of his goals this season are on the power – mostly all of his goals, I think, but one are on the power play so far this year, Grumpy.
1: It's because he does nothing five-on-five. Five. He's done nothing five-on-five. Five. He's been bad this year. Yeah, he's he's been, he's been knocking in power play goals. And, you know, good. We need him to score goals. I think he's – I mean, from where he was at last year, I want to say maybe 60% the player this year. I mean, as you know, I know you've always been a Brock Nelson fan – I always thought he just soft. I've been li-
0: I, I've been living in the limelight since Barry Trotz has come here because Brock Nelson has performed almost every single season really. This is the first year it looks like he he's struggled a little bit because under Barry Trotz his game has taken a monumental leap forward. This year it looks like he struggled a little bit in the 5 on 5 play category though.
1: Yeah, he's improved the most out of any Islander since Barry Trotz came here, but this year has been a big step back. A big step back. Um you know, uh, but for that trade, no, there's no way they're getting rid of him. He's one of Trots's little boys, he's one of the click. So he's going absolutely nowhere.
0: And Grumpy, uh, Frank chiming in there.
1: Oh, who could that be? You know who is it-, it is. I'm talking, I'm talking about his man. Let's see how many times it can ring. Ah, there it goes. My answering service picked it up. It's Lou.
0: It's Lou Lamarillo. What is Lou talking to you about now, Grumpy? Is he just rubbing it in your face a little bit with the good performance of the Islanders? What's Luke giving you a call for, Grump?
1: He's probably telling me, hey, I told you not to talk about the click. That's what he's saying.
0: He said, I need you to keep this on the down low, grumpy old man. Not many people are privy to this information. Keep the click on the down low.
1: No. He no. thought he
0: had entire Islanders cartel media under wraps, grumpy old man. But you're shining light on it. You're shining light on the uh, the, <laughs> the underbelly of society, right, Grump? And about he's telling the you list? to stop that.
1: You talk about the click, and you're going to get clipped. That's what he's probably saying right now.
0: Oh gosh, the I hope you. Used to
1: be, the click used to be a World Wrestling Federation or Rent entertainment faction. Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, uh, X-Pac, one, two, three, kid, whatever. Then Hunter Hearst Helmsley. They were all part of a little the click, and that's what the Islanders have right now. Barry's little click.
0: Well, I hope you you uh you make sure you're giving your answering service a uh, a just consoling if Barry if Lou is going to be coming at her with some heat, grumpy old man. Uh, Frank saying a nice win here tonight, and the power play has been very good. Yep, and Tommy's also saying the Islanders have looked more in sync, grumpy old man. I think they definitely haven't on the power play. We've talked about it before. The puck has to move quicker. We've got to pass. We've got to be more decisive on the power play, and I've noticed that as of recent, that we're more decisive. The passes are getting to the spots quicker. We're analyzing where it needs to go, and as soon as it gets to the spot there where the trigger man is, they're making a decision, either pass it there, do an open man in front of the net, or shoot that, and Wallstrom has been executing on that as of recent.
1: Yeah, and like like I mentioned earlier, Letty, uh, the pace on his pass to Wallstrom was what sets up that goal. If he does it, you know, one of those little – all right, let's throw it over there. Everybody has time to shift over and play defense. That that doesn't get scored. And that's what you see on good power plays. Those the quick passing. Um, it wasn't from Bailey necessarily to Letty, but from Letty to Walsham, absolutely. I
0: was about to say, that was a great decision and a great pass and a great distribution by Nick Letty. And again, I give Nick Letty a lot of shtick sometimes, Grumpy Old Man. But he has looked great. I, I did not know. He's got he's got quite a few assists there, Grumpy Old Man, this season. Thirteen.
1: Thirteen. Yeah, he's got a lot.
0: Yeah, yes, he does, grumpy old man. He's
1: been terrible. He Mayfield's been terrible on defense, but he's been contributed offensively. So,
0: yeah, grumpy old man, I'll tell you that much. Um, yep, and Wallstrom needs to be on Barzal's wing seriously. You won't see too many. You won't see me argue really against that point. Um, again, Wallstrom looks like he's growing more comfortable in the role. I will say though, you want him to be able to develop a little bit of chemistry with Jean Gabriel Pajot, and I think that line is working well. No point to fix what's not broken.
1: Yeah, I don't think there. Here's the. I'm going to guarantee you that he's not going to be moved off of JG Pajon's way. That's the, not not this year. It's not going to happen.
0: Grumpy old man. And Eric saying, "Great game tonight. Uh, let's go Islanders." Eric in Jersey um, got a comment here. Uh, Scott saying here, uh, Trotz actually sat Everly for the for the shift after taking that bad penalty, so maybe he's coming around.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not surprised he benched Everly. He's not one of the click. You'd never see it happen to Bailey, but of course Bailey, you know, he doesn't do anything to deserve a penalty. Really, doesn't draw any, doesn't create anything. It's like vanilla ice cream. Nelson hasn't done anything. Leo, Leo can do whatever he wants. I don't, Leo can Leo, Leo could cross check somebody in the face in the offensive zone. It won't matter. He's he's not coming out.
0: You talk about how Josh Bailey's like vanilla ice cream. Grump, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this, Grump, on a warm summer day. Hey, vanilla ice cream can taste pretty damn good, can it? Well, guess what? Josh Bailey plays hockey during the winter,
1: so I don't see anybody eating vanilla ice cream in the winter.
0: <laughs> I set you up for that one, Grump. I'm glad you took the opportunity and the chance here. Um, Tom White saying uh, the Islanders did a good job on a power play tonight. They generated some shots from areas that they shooting from high option on the power play goal from number 44, jean Gabriel Pagiot, using Wallstrom as well.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. They're not afraid to shoot the puck, and that's unfortunately for the Islanders. Think about it. Think about how bad we were last year. Wallstrom wasn't here. Pajot wasn't here. No one would shoot the puck on the power play. I mean, like I'll mention again today, Bailey had a prime opportunity. He was like 20 foot from the net, and he just wouldn't take a shot. You see Crosby take a shot. Uh, we we'll had to make a good save from Berserokan. I mean, he's past the dot, and he's taking shots and putting them on net. Don't be afraid to shoot the puck. Good things happen. It just infuriates me that he just won't shoot the puck. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it.
0: Mm-hmm. Got a few here, Grumpy. Uh, Bill Brady also saying, what about the no call on the Sezikis breakaway? We covered that there earlier. Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, yeah, Grumpy old man. Um, and then Alexander saying, "OMG, uh, Malkin looked like LeBron James there with the flop." Ugh. Yeah, I'll tell you. Again, I think I think, uh, I think the, the Penguins do that a little more than the majority of the teams we play in this division. I think they've got a few select players on our team that that tend to embellish a little bit. crumpy old man. I'm not sure if that's your take, but that's a take I've got. And it, You know, I try to think that it's not effective based off of the success the Penguins have had, that I've grown jaded towards them. But I really do think they do have certain members who do go ahead and flop a little more than other teams.
1: Absolutely, they do. They absolutely. Crosby and Malkin, without a doubt.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. and then Tommy B saying here, uh, Brock and Bailey are starting to hit stride now. Again, I'm interested to see here 5-on-5 play, what, what uh, Brock Nelson continues to bring there to the table. Um, power play goals, obviously it's there, and I think Bailey is starting to hit more of his stride, so that's always reassuring to see. He's been heating up here definitely as of late. Um, Brock Nelson, 5 5 play. I mean, it's been better than it was as of late. I mean, it's not like he's out there for a whole bunch of goals against like he was earlier on in the season. So, I guess in that capacity, sure, he is improving in that bit.
1: Yeah, I uh, once again, I think Biville is the reason why, and good. I mean, we need the second line producing. Let's be honest, but I think it's all because Biville is playing better.
0: Hmm. And then Brian J saying, uh, "Do you think the Islanders dump Bailey to Seattle?" You yeah, know, this is interesting. I think to myself. What are the Islanders going to do with the Seattle pick then, right? Because Oliver Wallstrom's shown, I think, even in the short spurt, and I think he's going to continue to make his case throughout the season that he should be in a top six role next year. It makes you think to yourself, okay, what are you moving? What are you thinking long-term as the Islanders organization? Who do you want to expose?
1: If you want to improve the team, you have to get rid of some of the guy guys who are making big money for long-term. And Josh Bailey would absolutely be exposed. You're only going to lose one guy, right?
0: Josh Bailey doesn't make as much money as you think, Grumpy.
1: He makes five million dollars a year. He makes five million dollars a year. Uh, Everly makes five and a half million dollars a year. Lee makes seven. Nelson makes six. Those are the type of guys you need to expose. You don't want to. Why would you expose somebody who makes one million dollars a year? You're you are going to struggle getting under the salary cap next year. You have Sorokin. Pelic and Bavillier who need to be signed to new deals nobody I mean when you go and continue to piss money away on the six million dollar man and guys of his ilk for who knows what reason I mean that's why you run into these salary capped issues they need to expose the guys who make big money and hopefully Seattle takes one believe me there there's nothing fantastic about any of those players that cannot be replaced nothing they're not stars. They're just average guys that can be replaced by 100 other players in the league. 100.
0: We've got a comment here from uh, Robert W. saying, does Ross Johnson have a role with us or will he be a regular healthy scratch? Uh, to answer your question, the way Barry Trotz utilizes him, he looks like he's going to be a healthy scratch for eternity and if Matt does get injured. I really don't think he would replace anybody else except Martin. I think if Matt Martin goes out or he has a little bit of a bump or bruise, that's the only way we're going to see Ross Johnson in line lineup on a consistent basis.
1: Did anyone on Saturday night, and even the guys in the booth, laughed when Matt Martin had a breakaway and he just kind of did his little floppy routine where he just kind of falls? Uh, it was terrible. And today he makes a nice pass to Kamarov, and Kamarov messes up the shot. And then he had another one where he just misses. Just terrible. I mean, just frustrating without a doubt. So, you know, I don't know where Matt Martin is going from here, but Ross Johnson should have a role with this team. I just, I don't know what it's going to be.
0: Hmm, grumpy old man. Alec, uh, hold on, Grump, before I show you this, before I show you this, Grump, I need you to take a deep breath, uh, Grumpy old man, because I know this is something that might trigger you. Set on my trigger here, Grumpy. Alexander saying, "Hey, Grump, stop." Bailey is a top three Islander, Islander of all time. LOL. Obviously, it's a joke and facetious there with the LOL there at the end. But I just wanted to make sure, Grumpy old man, you weren't going to get triggered by this joke.
1: He's true. He's one of the the top three worst Islanders of all
0: time. Right. No, stop, stop, stop. No, he um, is. A-
1: like that, people think I hate Josh Bailey. I don't. I just don't think there's anything special about him. And when people just, like I said, when he has – he reminds me of Jim Fassel who used to coach the Giants. Uh, you know, he'd be terrible for years and years, and then he's threatening to be fired, and all of a sudden they'd have a good year and he'd get another extension. I mean, that's just how I feel about Josh Bailey. You never notice he never goes to free agency. He always signs a year or two early because,
0: you know – and he, he took a hometown discount. Good, Grumpy Old Man. Don't complain about that. I'm happy about that.
1: If $5 million a year is a hometown discount, I don't know. I, I want to live
0: in that home. When he signed that, I think it was a hometown discount. It was viewed there as a hometown discount, Grumpy Old Man. And then Scott Levy also saying here, I am surprised that Bailey didn't pass the puck when he got, uh, got the pass in front of the net and actually scored yesterday.
1: Did you see how happy he was? He was jumping. I mean, I don't think he would ever scored before. I mean, what, he probably couldn't even remember the last time he scored. I couldn't. I can't remember the last time he took a shot. And I'm surprised he didn't pass out from there. Honestly, I've seen him pass out. I've seen him pass out from situations like that before. I've seen him do
0: that. Oh, Grumpy Old Man. Uh, And Alexander saying, this is about our comment earlier, maybe bring Andrews Lee on the show down the road. I'll tell you one thing, Grump. I would love to bring on one of these players that you had called average on a consistent basis one time down the road, Grumpy Old Man, to let them go ahead and give you a little bit of a taste of what's for Grump. I would love it, Grump. I would relish in that. I think everybody who would listen would relish in that opportunity too, Grumpy Old Man, to see the face off. I, I think I would like that, Grump.
1: Can you name anything he does that's above average? Is he an above-average skater? He had a chance for a breakaway yesterday. I mean, he got caught by—I uh, don't know—Yuri Krupp's the ghost of Yuri Krupp. I mean, I, <laughs> he, can, he can't skate. His shot isn't exceptional. He's good at deflecting pucks. He's a leader, without a doubt. Um, but there's nothing. He there's nothing. Ex- what is what is extraordinary about average Anders Can you tell me something that he does on the ice that is extraordinary?
0: i love if I had to clarify on the ice. I think his most, I think his most valuable part about Anders Lee is his leadership ability. I think that can't be over. I think that can't be undersold. Uh, and this year again, I think he's winning a lot more of those battles down low. We talked about it last year. I thought he was losing a lot of the battles down low. I think they're trying to give him more feed and opportunity and chances there. Where instead of Matt Barzal trying to skate and dipsy doodle and make the perfect pass like he had in the past, I think he's throwing it more towards the net. When players throw the pucks more towards the net, we're going to see more offensive production from Anders Lee. He's played well this season. So all he, I'm going to say. And he's played better this season than last year.
1: He is absolutely benefiting from Matt Barzal's game jumping, I think, almost twice as good as an overall player than he was last year. That's why Andrews Lee is getting better. Because you look at – Barzell takes the puck. Perfect example, right? He, I don't know if he scored the – yeah, he scored the goal. But the whole play two games ago – or how, I think maybe it was against Buffalo, was all Matt Barzal. He skated around three, four, five guys chasing him. He dumps a puck across the across the net. Anders Lee tips it in. That's all Matt Barzal. He gets credit for the goal, but the whole play was Matt Barzal, and that's where he's benefiting. I mean, I, is he as bad as last year? No, he's not because he's putting up more points. But, I mean, like I said, I'll ask again because you, once again, shirk the question, can you name anything on the ice that he does That is,
0: yeah, yes, I yes I can, Grumpy Old Man. I think he does a more than adequate job of winning the battles down low. I think he's doing a much better job there of making sure when he's given those opportunities to redirect the puck and net, he's executing on that this year. You ask me what he's doing well again I'm not going to be a guy who's saying oh he's an above average skater because that would I, I I would be working for eyes on Isles if I told you that he was more than an above average skater or if the guy had above average stick handling skills I'm not gonna lie there's no reason to I, I'll tell you though he's he's done a good job though of winning those battles down low that's where I think he that's where he makes his bread and butter and that's what he's doing you, you talked about it before a very very poor man Dave anderchuk
1: a broke ass man <laughs> Because <laughs> he so ain't scoring no 500-plus goals in NHL, I'm telling you that
0: much. Oh, uh, grumpy old man. Uh, Brian P. saying, TJ, you came prepared when I was rattling off all the stats. It's almost like every single live stream, grumpy old man. I have to check the performance of, like, the Phil Tomasinos, the Kalievs, so I can give you the updates, grumpy old man, because I know you're going to mention them at least once a podcast, grump.
1: I did look up their stats Uh 2 days ago. So I don't know what they did this weekend. But I did look him up 2 days ago cuz I was just interested and I was like I was actually stunned that Casper had 4 points. But I guess probably he's getting like 40 minutes of ice time out there <laughs> just trying to uh, trying to elevate, you know, his failed draft choice. Stop,
0: and, uh, stop, so stop, stop, stop. Got a comment here from Brian J. Could you imagine if Holmstrom becomes a 30-goal scorer? I'll tell you one thing. There will never be a bigger crow that Grumpy Old Man would have to eat or eat a shoe if Simon Holmstrom has a season with 30 goals scored, Grumpy Old Man. I almost want it to be like we'll have to have you eat like a hat or a piece of newspaper. You know, like what was it during the uh, the Russia-Canada face-off that the guy said he would eat his article? If uh, I can't remember if Team Canada lost, he would eat his article.
1: I don't know. I don't even care. But uh, Simon Holson actually could score thirty goals if he goes to where his talent level really lies, like the Spanish C League.
0: Oh God, Almighty grumpy old man! Uh, and Tommy Baffy saying here, we're playing playoff. Uh, we're playing. Uh, we are playing team hockey right now. Some bad breaks here and there, uh, but mostly team solid play. For certain, and again, yeah. I, if we if if Farlamoff didn't slip up that game and let a few weekies in, we would have won. We would have won in regulation against the Pittsburgh Penguins for certain,
1: and should have beat them in regulation. Honestly, at least we're three points ahead of them now. Uh, I still worry about them, but you know they've only won four games all year in regulation. They're really good uh, in shootout or uh, the extra period, and that's where really. That's and we lose in those games. And that's because when you're playing three on three, skill matters more than system. And that's why I think we're not really good in the uh in the overtime and shootouts, honestly. We don't have the skill level of
0: other teams. I got a funny comment to show you, Grumpy. It's funny. Joe Fitzpatrick mentioned it looks like the T got scalped. I mentioned before before we started the podcast, I'm like, holy crap, Grumpy old man. I said you had a crew cut going on over there. And I think it's your nice. response was, I just got my haircut.
1: I just got my hair cut. That's right. I did get a cut. I had uh the lady who cuts my hair came over and gave me a little nice little nice little haircut yesterday.
0: She comes to the house, Grumpy. You don't go to the barbershop. shop. Why would I?
1: I'm not wearing no mask to go in and get my hair cut.
0: Mm, grumpy old man. I mean how,
1: how you get I mean what happens if she cuts the strings on the mask?
0: She is not going to cut the strings on the mask. I've got my hair cut with the mask. It's not that bad, grumpy old man. Uh, Anyway, Tom White here chiming in saying, I'd rather see six up top on the power play than having him on the half wall there in that trigger man position. Um, Oppositions cheat to him on the half wall, and he never gets gets many good opportunities. We hardly ever use a one-touch pass on the power play to create quick shots. Um, Use six up top. And if the opposition cheats to him, it opens up the space elsewhere.
1: Yeah, but he to me, I don't think he's good enough up top. I don't think he's a good enough distributor of the puck. That's where we miss Devon Taves. I'm going to tell you, that's that's where we really miss Devon Taves. I mean, Letty is doing an admirable job on the second pairing, um, but I liked Taves last year. I think Dobson is going to be good. I think right now he's getting caught up a little bit in the – Barzell back and forth with those two and that you have to believe that's what they're being t- coached because what we saw earlier in the year we saw the same thing with Letty and Bailey just playing patty cake back and forth now you're starting to see it with Barzell and Dobson
0: hmm. grumpy old man I think he does bring up a good point though right if 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 Ryan Pulak was a better distributor of the puck I think for certain it would open up more because again he barely hits the net as is, and the likelihood of him hitting the net from the sidewall as composed all the way to the point are about the same exact likelihood. But it does go ahead and break the form of the, pe- the penalty-killing unit there for opposing teams if they have to go ahead and respect that shot there. He's got a, a howitzer of a shot, and if he's able to put it on the net, he's always bodes for good opportunities and good juicy rebounds, and it does go ahead and break a little bit of the formation of the, uh, the penalty-killing unit. So it does open up those chances there for the trigger man like an Oliver Wallstrom, et cetera. So I definitely understand what he's speaking about here, Grump.
1: Yeah, I just don't think that Ryan Pulak's skill set is conducive for that. That's all.
0: Alexander saying, even with Varlamov's performance Saturday night, does it take him away from the Vezna conversation?
1: Too early to tell yet, honestly. (sighs) Um,
0: I was about to say, even though it's a shortened season right now, we're still not even halfway through the year. I think he's definitely in, like, early preliminary talks, but you really never know with the Vesna. So, again, like, so there's always going to be one goalie who posts unbelievable numbers, and it's just extremely hot all year long. So, again, a lot of things can happen here the next 30-some-odd 30, 30 games, 32-some-odd games.
1: Yeah, he's been real solid Trust, I don't think he's been spectacular in that, um, but he's been solid, uh, you know, and – with he and Sorokin in there getting a little bit more time, I mean, anything can happen. I, I'd i love to see them win the Jennings Trophy, right? Wouldn't you? At least goals given up the season. That means your team's playing pretty good.
0: Yeah. And then um, Brian Jay also saying the Islanders need a power play quarterback demon badly. I'll tell you one thing. We always thought Ryan Pulak would be that guy. His inability to hit the net really is what hurts him most of being like a power play quarterback. That being said, I again, I feel confident with. No adopts and maybe he can grow into that again. Like as of on the roster right now, I think Nicoletti's done a very good job. I'm very critical of Nicoletti. I think he's done a very good job, especially as of late there, as being the quarterback of his particular power play unit. I think he's done a very good job in that role as of recent. But I mean, even if we look down, you know, organizational depth wise, Samuel Bolduck does a pretty good job of it down there in EA too. So we have guys who can do that again as of right now. And I'm excited about you know Robin Salah. We have guys I think who could step into the role once a guy like Nick Letty's kind of phased out, you know, towards the future. And uh, I think Dobson can grow into that role also be the quarterback of the power play.
1: Yeah. It's it, to me, it's okay. When did Letty start stepping his game up on the power play when Oliver Wallstrom joined that power play unit? I mean, he opens things up for other players because his willingness and his shot ability, he just does. And that's what I feel they need on the first line as well. someone, who can actually shoot the puck and put it on net uh that's what they need that's why I like Patrick Laine I thought he would have been perfect for us to pop him in that spot also I think it would then we'd have two really fantastic power play units with two snipers on there and that's I feel a one sniper away honestly of being a contender I mean I really do
0: I was about to say, Grumpy, I have no issues at all with the goaltending. I have no worries at all with the special teams unit, especially with how we've been playing outside of you know, the COVID break. I think we were able to go into that. We were really able to go ahead and knock out what we need to do there with the power play. We're winning an enormous amount of face-offs this season, which is absolutely excellent. And our defense and team defense and team system has really shown through. Always the biggest thing for us. Is the offensive production, and again, I, I think if Wallstrom does continue to grow there into the sniper that he is and continues to grow more confidence, that's going to help a lot. If you were to add another sniper to this team, you talk about—I'm talking about a real, real Stanley Cup contender in the same breath of his team, like a like a Tampa Bay Lightning. Even though I don't think talent-wise we'd be as good as a Tampa Bay Lightning, I think that's where the system and Barry Trotz and the head coaching experience does put us slightly over the edge or, or on a competitive playing field there with them.
1: Yeah, we we need another sniper. Without a doubt. Um, And then hopefully, you know, but the whole thing is if you get a sniper, he has to buy into the trot system, Uh, you know, great. But to me, if we had one, we'd be much more dangerous in the playoffs. I mean, as it is, if we make the playoffs, we're going to have to scratch and claw for every game. And that's just tough to win like that. It just really is.
0: Oh, grumpy. Oh, grumpy. Oh, grumpy. Bailey was the ninth overall pick. I think you said 10th earlier, ninth overall pick there, Grumpy. Thank you, Alexander. Top 10 picks, top 10. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, Grumpy Old Man. Um, I remember we
1: traded, I think we traded from seven to nine and still something like that to get Bailey, I believe.
0: Yeah, my gosh. I'm thinking about some of the old picks we had. Do you remember Grumpy Old Man? Was it the 2007 draft where we drafted Calvin DeHaan? Same exact, or was it 2007? Also, we drafted John Tavares.
1: It was the same year as Tavares. We we wanted to spend like five draft picks to get Calvin Dahan. That was a good move. And then we wanted, and then we wanted trading away a first round draft pick and a whole bunch of players. So Vegas would not take Calvin Dahan uh, and take uh, JB Berube. We saw how that turned out. Then Dehan hurts his shoulder and he's done with us.
0: And, 2009 draft, Grumpy Old Man. You talk about a guy, Calvin DeHaan. It's unfortunate, right? Because I thought he, I've always thought Calvin DeHaan, especially with the way the NHL has moved, he is the prototypical defenseman, puck moving defenseman. I mean, Calvin DeHaan had decent size to his game, too, Grumpy Old Man. He could skate um, there as well, six foot one. And again, unfortunately, injuries did go ahead and derail that his career. And again, he's, he could never catch a break there on the injury bug. It's unfortunate.
1: Well, he had shoulder injuries all throughout his junior career. He was a guy who was frail. He just had a frail frame. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, guys who are injury prone in juniors are probably going to be injury prone in the pros. Simon Holstrom, you know, we'll just see what happens.
0: Uh, Brian P saying, if you've been an Islander fan since Arbor retired, it would make anyone grumpy lol talking about the grumpy old man
1: it's true like i said i mean i've said that before uh, for a lot of younger islander fans you know all they've known is losing so they think this is this is like the gravy train this is the glory times no it's not i remember we were when we were the best team in hockey even for years where we didn't win the cup a couple of years and everyone thought we were chokers man we were the, we were like tampa bay was now Back in the day, we were the best team in hockey. Even when we didn't win, everyone said the Islanders were the best team in hockey. And that's why last year is everyone, I was comparing that Tampa Bay team to those Islander teams of yesteryear because they had everything. And that's what we had. So you're right. Now I see you know, what we have now, and it's like, okay. That's why I always say Mike Bossy couldn't play for this team. Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, they wouldn't fit the system. They'd be benched. They'd be like the
0: Matt Barzals of today. Uh, Reinhardt, uh, Snow actually lucked out because he got us Bavillier. This is talking about the Grumpy Old Man about the draft picks, and then Brian P. saying, uh, yeah, Bavillier and Barzal. That was the best move that Snow ever made. For certain it was. Made on made it. He got yeah. an absolute steal. Griffin Reinhardt was a guy who could not skate. And it's funny, Grumpy. We had had the conversation there back in the early days of the pod um, about Griffin Reinhardt. <clears throat> And about his inability to skate. And people always put, oh, it's just, no, he just moves so methodically. He's got a great economy of movement to where he doesn't take unneeded strides. He's just so confident back there. And it's not that he can't skate. It's because he exerts just the perfect amount of effort in order to cover people gushing over Griffin Reinhardt. And, again, like, we saw it early. I'm like, I don't know, man. It just looks like the guy really can't skate that well. Edmonton really didn't see it either, and it cost him significantly
1: now here's the thing i feel i find myself being guilty of this occasionally when i have favorite players um but for the most part i'm able to discern the difference between when a guy can't do something and just because i like a team i'm going to call it as i see it i mean it was so obvious that reinhardt couldn't skate i mean from day 1 he just couldn't move and guys like that get exposed right and I It was always, to me, and you listen to fans say that, well, you know, he's this, he's that. No, he's not. And then as soon as he gets traded, well, he sucked. Well, guess what? He sucked when he was on your team, too. Like I said, I occasionally find myself falling into that trap very, very rarely, and certainly not as I've gotten older. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'll tell you here, grumpy old man. Got a few comments here. Uh Brian J says it looks like AJ got shocked on the slide. Oh God, crying face. I mean,
1: I uh, it's the truth. I mean, I mean, somebody just tell her, please. Help us out. Help all of us.
0: Well, and I'm speaking I'm gonna of- have
1: widescreen TV. If I didn't have widescreen TV, I would not be able to see all of her hair. <laughs> I mean, all the damn place. You know it. I mean, come on, everybody knows. I mean, oh, how, come Sh- how come Shannon doesn't wear one of those, you know, the headphone thing? Why not?
0: I couldn't tell you, Grump. Maybe it's a personal preference thing. Um, I mean, it's,
1: it's not like she's down. It's not like that uh, AJ is down between the uh, benches. I mean, she's sitting there with Shannon the whole time. I don't know what the heck she's doing. Climbing underneath the desk with the loose change. I don't know.
0: Oh, grumpy old man. I want to talk and go back to the Griffin Reinhard thing, though. I mean, you do not see really any defensemen that are big defensemen who cannot skate in top top four defenseman roles anymore if you're big and you cannot skate you cannot play in the nhl skating is pertinent or i mean 10 15 years ago you could be a big defenseman and kind of get away with it with more clutching and grabbing and more stick work you can kind of get away with that but now if you're a big defenseman you have to skate otherwise you are destined for a you know a bottom pairing defenseman role. I mean, Scott Mayfield's a guy like that too. Again, Scott's not overly talented with a shot or anything like that. He's more of a stay-at-home defenseman. But even if he had an outstanding shot and a lot of other different, a lot of the different abilities, if he couldn't skate, which he's not an excellent skater, he would always be destined for a bottom six role, or a, you know, a last pairing, a last pairing defenseman. I'm sorry.
1: You're right. In the olden days, a big burly defenseman, you can get away with that. First of all, the game was way more physical, and those guys had a role. So, you know, the ultra-physical defenseman, you could really pound guys down low. Any of these little – like Brock, Brock Nelson would not survive in hockey of the ester year. Absolutely not. Josh Bailey, no. He'd be carrying puck bags to the rink <laughs> every day. I mean, he just couldn't do it. Well, Not to single out – there's a lot of players who were soft who just wouldn't be able to make it. You know, it was a man's game back then. But now if you can't skate as a defenseman, you're in trouble. You get exposed i mean char can't really skate anymore yeah. you know but he has that reach which kind of helps him but he used to be a really good skater for a guy his size that's
0: but, that's what i was about to say people forget that you look back in the old clips of Chara, like back during his rookie time periods with the islanders in his young years and you think holy crap even like coming in on warm-ups and i'm like oh, for a guy what is he six foot seven six nine Six nine. You think for yourself. For a guy who's six nine, he's moving. He's so fleet of foot, especially when he was young like that. Man, oh man, could he skate for his size at that at that younger age?
1: You know, TJ, I really don't read comments much, but I happen to see one here, and I just wonder if you're going to post it. I, you know, I just see it, and I'm going to wait. To
0: see if you post it. Grump, Grump, I I told you before, and I'll tell you again, Grump, I will handle all the comments because I don't want you to kind of bounce back and forth. People love your charisma and your natural reaction, Grumpy Old Man. So I like when I'm able to pop something up on the screen and you to just naturally react to it. Sometimes I'm scared to see what that reaction is at the same token, Grumpy Old Man, but I like to see the natural reaction. People just like the spontaneity that the Grumpy Old Man has. Um, yeah, and Brian P. also saying the Islanders' defense has as many goals as Taves, which is four, yet yeah, we've mentioned that, um, and we're going to continue to keep like a little ongoing checkmark of that there through the rest of the season. And again, Devon Taves would not have four goals for the Islanders if he was playing for them now just because our defensive system is layback, 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 very, very rarely pinch up in the offensive zone. Um, think about, and
1: then, just think about Devon Taves gets four – was it $4 million or $4.5 million a year for the next four years? And we signed Matt Martin to $1.5 million a year. So you're trying to tell me you couldn't find another $3 million with the other not signed Matt Martin or Andy Green, which was another 750 So what, maybe $2 million or $2.25 million would it cost you to keep Devon Taves? Think about that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, girl. But again, there's. I don't think anybody would ever argue that Devon Taves, especially at this point of time in his career, was a better option there with Andy Green. Everybody was thinking, and again, we were in the same boat too, that uh, Andy Green would be a good mentor to be out there on the ice for a season um, with Noah Dobson. I'll tell you this much. It's not Andy Green who's carrying Noah Dobson anymore. And, again, like they jumble up the lines. It's most certainly No Andy Green relying upon Noah Dobson in order to be successful out there on the ice right now.
1: Yeah, but you notice know Trotz is limiting Dobson's ice time as well. He's still sheltering him a little bit, and I don't know why he's even doing that
0: and then uh, Tom White also saying here, Pellick on the last year of his contract, he's trying to put up some numbers to raise his value some more. I was about to say, Grumpy, what happens if, what happens if Adam Pellick ends up with good numbers? Because remember, he's not a guy who usually p- provides that offensive production. What happens if he provides that offensive production this season, Grumpy Old Man? How much do you think realistically it would raise the price tag for Adam Pellick?
1: I mean – that's not his game. I don't even care what. I mean, he's his value is a defensive defenseman, and I mean, he's scored a goal, but he's crashed down a couple of times and missed the net too. I mean, it's not it's not his forte. Uh, what do I think he's going to get? I mean, I think he's still a restricted free agent. Uh, I believe I'm he's not. not he's
0: he's twenty six. He's twenty six. So I think he will be I think he'd be unrestricted, Grump.
1: I okay. I thought he was. I thought he was still restricted, but he's going to have to get right. I mean, if if Pulak is getting $5 million per, what's he worth? Four, four and a half? I mean, he's a top-tier defenseman on a team that plays really good defense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Grump. That's what I've always said. And, again, like, imagine if if Adam Pellick winds up producing – uh, you know, let's say he even has 20 or 25 again. Like the max, the most points he's ever had throughout a season is 21 points back in 2018 2019 season. Grumpy Old Man, he's got five points already in this shortened season. But imagine if he ends the year there with 15, possibly even 20 points. Grumpy Old Man, in a oh, shortened year,
1: he's not going to put up 20 points, please. He's not going to put up 20. what are we 20 games in a 56 game season? You think he's going to go on a goal scoring streak? I, I, said, I
0: said, I said, I said 15. 15 is not unrealistic to expect right now. He's got five points, 20 games into the season. I could see maybe if they continue to pick up the game there a little bit and the offensive production, you have no idea, Grumpy Old Man. But I think it's realistic to expect him between the 10 to 15 range.
1: Okay, but he's not – he, uh, offense is what uh, – the guys who play, you put a big offensive numbers, those are guys who get paid big money.
0: For certain, grumpy old man, and uh, Jim P. I am not going to try to pronounce the last name. Jim P. They're saying uh, without Paviliere, Nelson and Bailey have underachieved, picking up the pace now that he's back, just like grumpy old man said there. Yep. And then uh, Patrick Patrick V. They're saying why they don't sit Comroff and give Bellows a shot. I still believe in him. Like not only for a game, let him play for a while. Um, he might finally break in. I think Dale Cole would fit in good there on the checking line. I, I was about to say, Dale Cole has played well. I have no issue at all with him playing a bottom six role. And it's unfortunate that, you know, you talked about earlier, Grumpy Old Man. Wallstrom had a chance there to get acclimated, had a chance there to feel more confident in his game, get over a little bit of the rust there, Grumpy. And he's performed since that. You wonder, hey, if Kiefer Bellos is in there and he had the same opportunity afforded to him, who's to say maybe he wouldn't have a like reaction?
1: give a guys give a guy an extended run that's the only way you really find out as him as a player one game here all oh, you played two games here sent him down to the taxi squad comes up play two games sent him down to the taxi squad plays one so they do had your chance well did he really have a chance to establish himself i don't think so
0: and we, we got a few comments here. Brian P saying totally agree. Uh Bellos let Bellos build his confidence. At least he has upside. Leo has none. And then Jim P is saying Bellos is trade bait/taxi slash squad. And I'll tell you, the way they're utilizing him now, you what what type of trade value does Kiefer Bellos have? I mean, you let him play up there for 3 games and now you've now you've destined him for taxi squad or <laughs> or we're not we're not going to play you type of mentality. I mean like you have to figure he's got absolutely no value for trade bait in my opinion as of right now
1: no and they're really good at just crushing the trade value of anybody they have on the team they've always been really good at it um you know what I would like to see this year is give Kiefer Bellows a chance see if he could develop into something so this way when you come to the expansion draft if you see something in him over an extended period of time you protect him and expose another veteran as of right now there's no chance of him being uh protected and that's a guy that Perhaps Seattle would take a shot on makes no money, upside young guy. Those that's that's what expansion teams are looking for.
0: Hmm. Has shown a flash here or there if he was given the opportunity. And again, like you look at it, they took they think about the Vegas draft. I mean, and again, this is not a perfect perfect comparison, but Marshall he was not a guy who really made huge strides there with Florida. Yeah, When he was there, he was a guy I think he put up like 20-some-odd points. I'll have to look that back up. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But I don't think he put up a lot of points, Grumpfield, man, Marshall Salt in Florida. And they took a chance on him. And, man, oh, man, did he really have a chance to flourish when he was with Vegas and had legitimate minutes and given a real opportunity?
1: That's the whole thing. You give young guys a chance, and they might surprise you. You're not going to get any surprises from Malio Komarov. None. It, because it's no surprise when he can't put a wide-open shot in the net uh, when he can't even get a shot off, that's not a surprise. So, like I said, that's what I would have liked to see him do with Bellows. They're not going to do it. Um, but uh, Jim Panagiotopoulos, it is wonderful to see that you agree with me there.
0: Mm-hmm. Grumpy old man here, and Bill Brady has a question there. Who is in Grumpy's click? Grumpy, who is in your click? Grumpy old
1: man depends on the sport. On oh, for the Islanders, Matt Barzal, Noah Dobson. Uh, that's probably about it. Those those are my two guys, without a doubt. And well, I'm going to put Wallstrom in there too. Hmm.
0: Uh, grumpy old man. There. Um, here we go. Oh, maybe Alexander was not joking. Grumpy Josh Bailey is a top three islander of all time. I, there's no LOL at the end of this. Maybe he's being serious here, Grumpy old man. Alexander thinks that Josh Bailey is a top three guy, a top three islander of all time. I can um, name
1: thirty guys off the top of my head who are vastly superior.
0: Yes. <laughs> Gustav uh Gustav Farley saying um Wallstrom could be the real deal if he can put the puck uh if he puts the puck in the net. If he can put the puck in the net for certain again, like if he's putting the puck on target and when he is, um that shot is so hard and so crisp. When he gets those accurate shots off, and he's so quick with the release, he really could put the puck in the net, crumpy old man.
1: Yeah. We need that desperately. If he can do that, uh, like I said, I I just wonder where we're going as a team moving him up in the lineup because, you know, going forward, he's going to need more ice time. Do you send Bailey down to the third line? Uh, I would like to – I'd love to see him with Barzal, honestly. I think he'd be great. They'd be great together, not this year, but maybe next year.
0: I was wrong about Marsha Salkron, the old man. Um, In Florida, he actually produced 51 points there in Florida. He had 30 – oh, wow. I did not know the 2016-17 season grumpy old man, Jonathan Marshall actually had great point production there. 30 goals in 21 assists there, 51 points in the 16-17 year there with Florida, and then he was then picked up there by Vegas. And again, it wasn't like it was an outlier there because the year thereafter, 75 points, 59 points, 47 points in a shortened season, and 13 points through 17 games so far with the Vegas Golden Knights this year.
1: Yeah, his one year with Florida was his breakout year, and I remember people were surprised that they, they exposed him. He didn't make any money either. It's uh, you always. What are you trying to do when you're ex, when you're exposing guys? You want to get rid of something, a toxic asset, toxic asset.
0: Grumpy old uh, man. Are you using one of my terms, grumpy old man? I'm happy. You've got my attention. Years. As soon as you said that, I'm like, holy crap, grump. That's something I have been using for years.
1: You want to get a toxic asset off your books. Somebody who's going to be giving you diminished returns moving forward, who are, uh, you know, now you're not going to get the bang for the buck. That's your hope. That's what you want to do. You don't want to give up a young guy or a young developing player uh, to keep somebody older. I Like I said, I don't care about this year or next year. We're not winning the Stanley Cup this year. So I'm trying to dump some salary so we can improve the weaker areas of this team. That's what I want to do.
0: Grump, I'll tell you this much. I will not be as, uh, as steadfast in your belief that the Islanders won't win the Stanley Cup this year. Again, if the Islanders play well against teams that are playoff caliber teams, that's the biggest, most important thing for them, Grumpy.
1: Best case scenario, we get beat by Tampa Bay again this year. That's best case scenario.
0: There, okay, Grumpy. It's so far. It's so far out, Grumpy. You have no idea what injuries can bring. And, and I'll tell you one thing: flukier things have happened. Look, two years ago. Look, two years ago, how the playoffs went down, Grumpy old man. Not the bubble year, but two years ago, it was the craziest, most fluky layout. In the playoffs, in NHL playoffs, in recent memory, Grumpy Old Man, both first rounds or both first overall uh, seeds were knocked out in the first round. Grumpy Old Man from both the East and West Division, uh, Western Conference. So, Grumpy, I'm just going to say you've seen a lot crazier things. I will not be as um, I will not be as assertive on that the Islanders won't win the Stanley Cup point that you just made.
1: Grumpy. That doesn't mean I'm not rooting for them to win the Cup. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I was going to see it
0: this year. That's I hope you mean. are too there. Uh, Jim P. Also saying there, Everly Bailey, Letty should be exposed. And again, yeah. that would, that would completely make sense because if you were to expose Everly or Bailey, both of them playing that white right wing position there, or I guess Bailey kind of jumps all over the place, but definitely Everly playing that right wing position. there would open up that slot there for Oliver of a from the walk into a top six role there. Um, Letty, Letty is what Letty is. Grumpy, I know he's got a contract that only has like a little bit of a cat or a little bit of term still left on it. So you'd have to renegotiate him. And again, if Samuel Bolduck and Bodie Wild and guys like that down there, Parker Weatherspoon, if they're ready, Sebastian Ajos, if they're ready, go ahead and step into the role. You have the ability to go ahead and make a defenseman available there in the expansion draft.
1: I'm going to tell you what if they protect Letty, the Kraken is going to take Scott Mayfield. That's who they'll pick. With that, no doubt in my mind. A solid top four defenseman who makes you gotta remember, we're one of the better defensive teams in the league. Okay. A top four defenseman on this team is better than a top four defenseman on the majority of the teams in
0: this league. I'll be honest though. Before this season, sure, maybe you can catch me on that argument. Maybe I'd agree. Mayfield has not jailed at all well with Nicoletti. They look like the communication's not there. It's kind of actually a little upsetting to a certain point, Grumpy Old Man, to a certain degree. I'll tell you this much. Scott Mayfield, he's shown a lot of warts. He's done the same exact thing like throwing the puck towards the middle of the net. He does a lot of the same stupid mistakes he always did. But Devon Taves covered a lot of the mistakes he made as we're noticing this season, Grumpy Old Man. Um, I I still think, though, Scott Mayfield has an excellent value for what he brings. That's my point. That's any I mean. any any defenseman you can get who has experience being a top four defenseman even if on your team miraculously you're able to get a whole bunch of good defensemen there through the expansion draft and he doesn't need to be a top four guy um he still has a lot of great cost certainty as being a top six defenseman
1: without a doubt that's i mean 1.45 million dollars a year for the next what two or three years i mean that's a no-brainer you get a guy who's going to be in your, he's going to, on an expansion team, he's absolutely a top four defenseman. Absolutely. And that's what you want cheap, inexpensive defenseman. That's what every team wants. You can spend on guys who put the peck on that puck in the net, you know, if you're a smart team.
0: Uh, Frank K then saying, uh, we can thank the Rangers for being stupid and passing on Wallstrom and Dobson. Same team that chose uh, DeGay over uh, Bossy.
1: Ron DeGay. Yeah. Ron DeGay was actually, he had some pretty hair put the nice little uh nice little product in there uh he used to do uh when the rangers were good back in 1979 they did i think i don't know if it was sassoon's or sergio valente and phil esposito was in them too they were designer jeans back in the day you know like Gloria vanderbilt i think those were for women but they had sergio's and uh uh, like the other ones that I mentioned, and they had the, the, the Rangers do a commercial. Where they show up their butts with the little logo on the back pocket, and Ron Duguay was certainly a heartthrob for New York Ranger female fans for a lot of years, but I'm not going to rip them for that because 14 other teams passed on Mike Bossy too, so they were all just as dumb.
0: <laughs> uh, gotcha. Tom White saying, is Pellick a four to $5 million a year player?
1: In this in this environment?
0: And in this and in this system, too, for certain he is. And again, I've always made the comparison. It's not a great comparison. I think Dan Ham Hughes back in his prime put up a lot more points that had more offensive production. But towards the end of his career, Dan Ham Hughes, when he was no longer offering the offensive production, he was more of a defensive at home defenseman. And again, he was still getting paid around that too. Well, he was well past the offensive production points of his career. I think Adam Pellick – and this was years ago too, when the cap was less. I do think Adam Pellick is worth you know four to five million dollars a year.
1: Then you run running the quandary: how many of you guys are, are you you're back 4 You're going to be paying five million dollars a year. You got three guys who you're going to be paying five million dollars a year, right?
0: Again, it all depends on who they expose. Right? It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens, Grumpy Old Man. It definitely will. Um, and Alexander saying, Grumpy Lee is a former forty goal scorer. Come on. Former, thank you. You
1: said it. Former, he was he was a perfect uh, line mate for John Tavares, absolutely perfect.
0: I, I, I've told we've talked about this before. I think John Tavares is way better at Matt Barzal in finding and identifying players who he could throw the puck towards the net or throw the puck towards a stick, and they were able to redirect into the net. John Tavares had that vision to spot those open opportunities where Matt Barzal still is working on that. He does not have anywhere near close the ability where John Tavares had in that capacity.
1: I disagree with that. I think the fact that uh, it's the pace that Barzal and Eberle are capable of playing at and Lee isn't. I, I think that's the whole thing with Tavares' pace. That's why I think Lee plays it so well with Nelson and Bailey as well. They don't have the pace. He can't keep up. Guys who can skate should play together. Guys who can't skate should play together, particularly the offensive end. I'm not saying defensively. but. Those are the guys who make successful units. I mean, if you put somebody else who could skate – that's why I thought Panarin would have been absolutely fantastic with uh, Barzell. I thought he would have been fantastic.
0: Uh, Bill Brady saying the Islanders' power play will be a factor in the playoffs this time around. I'll tell you one thing. If the Islanders' power play continues up the momentum, and they again, they're not going to continue at a 40% pace, even if they're like upper 20s, Man, oh, man, would that be reassuring to see what they always say that you have to always have like around a total of 100 on the specialty units. That's always the magic number. Anything above 100 and you're in good shape. So, you know, when you add up the penalty kill percentage as well as the power play percentage, you want it to be a little uh, around 100, if not higher. So, again, if you're in the upper 20s or even in the mid 20s, they're in a the power play percentage. Our penalty kill usually does a pretty apt job.
1: Yeah, I don't see us even being in the upper 20s, honestly. I mean, that, that's a that's a really good percentage.
0: Mm-hmm. Grumpy old man. Uh, Brian Jay saying, Grumpy has a better chance of getting his hair back than Ryan Pulak hitting the net. Grumpy old man.
1: So, in other words, Pulak has no chance of putting a puck in the back of the net.
0: I was about to say, Grumpy old man. And Pulak doesn't have a damn chance of putting that puck on that. Grumpy old man. Um, yeah, and the Leafs took Shen with the seventh pick, and we took Bailey.
1: <laughs> What's the difference?
0: Oh, goodness. Uh, Frank K saying, Patrick Kane, goal number 400.
1: You know who's not going to have 400 goals? I'm going to go back into the old-time machine and bring this up again, and it's only because somebody else brought it up. There was a time a couple of years ago where TJ and I had a disagreement where he felt that Anders average Anders Lee –
0: Make sure you pose. Make sure you pose this correctly, grumpy old man. Because I don't want to have to get feisty. Make sure you pose it correctly.
1: Was a better player. No. Than Patrick
0: King. No. God, grump. This is not the conversation at all. See, look at you're trying to change history, grumpy. And I know you're not going to pull up the old audio. I said this was now three years ago that Anders Lee was more valuable to the Islanders and what the Islanders needed that year than Patrick Kane. And, again, that was the year when we just lost John Tavares, and I told you, the captain and Anders Lee embodied everything the Islanders need to have. And I still stand by that. That year, most certainly, he was more valuable than I think a guy Patrick Kane would be. Patrick Kane, more talented than Anders Lee. You're not going to see me arguing against that, Grump.
1: Patrick Kane is infinitely better in every way, shape, or form than Anders Lee.
0: Absolutely. A better, a better leader.
1: There is no comparison between those two three those two, those two players. Absolutely no comparison. Production
0: wise, no. certainly yeah. there's not. I'm just saying for what the Islanders needed, we needed a guy to step up and be a leader. And he I isn't, that why, we, isn't
1: that why we signed Leo Komarov and brought back Matt Martin, all these leader types. We didn't need average. We need guys who can score. We need guys like Patrick Kane, honestly. I'm Patrick would say- Kane, how would you like that Patrick Kane playing on a wing with Matt Barzal? How did that would work out?
0: Sign me up. Grumpy, I will tell you this much. Well, He also makes significantly more than Anders. I will tell you this much. I think Anders Lee helped mold the face of the Islanders and the mentality the Islanders had. I think, obviously, Barry Tross was important, but I think it took full and total buy-in. And when you have the leadership pieces like your Anders Lees and your veterans and your professionals who do the complete buy-in and lead the team by example, and also in the locker room, I think that's you cannot put a number on how you can't you cannot put an accurate assessment on how important value that is. Being a guy in the locker room before Grum, I cannot tell you how valuable that is to team success. It really is.
1: I'm sorry. I I tune you out whenever you think that Andrews Lee even is remotely comparable to Patrick Kane. I I just shut you out because you're
0: just so ridiculous and scary. I'm not saying they're comparable on the ice. I'm saying what he brought off the ice was so important that year.
1: Is is Patrick Kane a bad teammate? Have you ever heard that?
0: I'm not saying he is. What I'm saying is Andrews Lee is an excellent captain, and he is an unbelievable leader. That's what I'm saying. And that year, I think that was the most important need the Islanders had. You had the complete face change where John Tavares had left. What was going to happen? You have a brand-new coach, a brand-new general manager. You had to have one of those solid and consistent pieces who had been part of the Islanders organization step up in a big way. And Andrews Lee did that, and that's what I'm telling you. That is why it was important to keep Andrews Lee. Again, I'm not a big fan of how long they had to sign him and what type of term they had to give him, but I'm saying it was important to have Andrews Lee that season.
1: He wasn't even named team captain until halfway through the season. I'm just going to say is – all I'm going to say is, has Anders Lee ever led anyone to a Stanley Cup? Oh, my gosh. That's Patrick no, Kane. Oh, yeah, that's right. He scored actually the Cup winning goal. Yeah, thanks, against Philadelphia. Yeah, like I said, there's no comparison between the two in any way, shape, or form. And all he's right. I'm going to guarantee you if we did a poll, it would be – well, I figure you would vote – so if we had 100 people participate with 99-1, to 1, that's what I would
0: think. I'm not saying that Anders Lee is better than Patrick Kane. In no way, shape, or form, Grump, and never have I. I'm just saying for what the Islanders needed that year, Patrick Kane, Anders Lee was very valuable, more valuable than you think. That's all. And he was more valuable than a guy like Patrick Kane would have been that year. Ugh,
1: you're delusional
0: okay grumpy we'll have to go back to the old annals the old records uh brian J saying though no, andy green is gone next year for certain he is um grice is giving up a seven spot to chicago yikes um, right. and alexander also said sorry tj the last reo was joking so yes uh josh bailey being a top three guy was a joke he just forgot the lol there at the end um and then Brian P saying agreed Grump dump the dead weight. Yep. Um, Tom White saying I think we could trade Everly and get something instead of just letting him go. I was about to say Jordan Everly's producing this year again. Like a, ideally, you wouldn't want to let somebody go who has that type of trade value. I understand see, the thought process. Yeah,
1: my whole thing is if you get rid of Jordan Everly, what's he like? The second leading scorer on the team, or third. It's tough to get rid of those. I mean. Do you want to get rid of a guy like that who's actually producing? I don't think he's – I mean, what's he got, three more years left on his deal? Uh, I just think there's other guys who don't produce as much as Jordan Eberly that I would try to move first.
0: Uh, grumpy old man then. Tom White saying, Mayfield is a five-alarm fire in our defensive zone, grumpy old man. Well,
1: he hasn't been as good. I mean, I think, uh, as we've mentioned before, Devon Taves covered up a lot of his warts. And yes. I don't, but here's the thing I don't think Nick Letty is real good in his defensive end either. Uh, and that's why I think they're both struggling. I, I think, I think uh, Mayfield is a better defensive player than Letty, though.
0: Got a few comments here, Grumpy. You talked about Dugay. Uh, ooh, la, yeah. la Sassoon, and then yeah. Sassoon there, Grumpy Old Man. Yep.
1: Yep. I remember those commercials. Uh, the worst thing was seeing Phil Esposito. He had to be 35 or something like that, 34. And Phil was never a model. Uh, certainly did no. not have a a hot guy bod. And no. he squeezed into those jeans. I'm like, oh Phil. But he was, he, I mean, he was real popular back then.
0: Hey man, when they come at you with the check, I'm willing to go ahead and put on some tight jeans if they're coming at me with the right price. I'll be honest. I understand Phil Esposito. Absolutely. And then Tom White saying, uh, Tavares was also a shooter. Lee picked up his garbage most times. Oh, goodness. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, that's, but, th- but that's his game, right? That's his game. Staying in front of the net, poking in, you know, rebounds and stuff like that, deflecting shots. That's his game. That is his strength. And that's why I call him average because that's the only thing he does above average. Everything else is below average. Everything else.
0: Brian J saying Panarin might never play again. That's right, Grumpy. I'll be interested to see what happens there with Panarin because he spoke out against the Russian government, and then they released that hit piece on him. And I was like, "Ooh!" So I'll be interested to see what happens.
1: Yeah, you know, here's the thing: I don't know what to believe at this point in time. I think neither neither do
0: I, Grumpy old man. Neither do I. And that's one of those situations you're just kind of like, "Oh wow!"
1: But he certainly has uh, always had a negative view of Vladimir Putin, and you know uh you know hey i'm not big into russian politics or anything like that but he's certainly a hardliner going back to the old uh communism days and you know you could see i i think what i've heard is they're trying to get his family out of russia because they feel that there could be retribution against the family so oh wow who knows? I like I said I don't know. I don't. I don't know a whole
0: lot about. It. I don't keep up much with politics, let alone Russian politics, grumpy old man. So I'll tell you that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to unfold. But I, you know that that piece that was on there, I didn't read the whole thing. I was just like, oh wow. Then I understood generally it was just like a hit piece. Uh, Jim P. saying uh, all for that. If we can free up cap space by trading um, Anders Lee and Letty, it would be ideal. Or maybe I'm sorry, Jordan Everly and Nick Letty, it would be ideal.
1: Anything you do to get rid of some of the uh guys with term on their deal who make big money, it just frees up cap space where you can sign back your younger players and potentially pick up somebody, you know, who can help your team offensively.
0: Um, And and Alexander says, TJ and Grumpy, if they find a way to get more cap, do they go after Hall on free agency because he won't stay in Buffalo? I know. I'm not a big Hall guy. Um, Even though he he found his way into winning uh, MVP one season, uh, the Hart Trophy, I am not a big Taylor Hall guy.
1: Me neither. I I don't know why. Maybe it's just a bias, an Edmonton bias that I have for him. Uh, I know he had the one good year in Jersey, but there's other guys I'd rather have over him. At his
0: I'll, age, I'll tell you the, the winning percentage continues to to look unfavorable wherever he goes. And again, uh, the Devils were miserable that last year with him there. Once he left, the winning percentage increased significantly. The Coyotes had a pretty decent winning percentage before he joined. After he joined, winning percentage dropped significantly. So again, like it seems to be like they find ways to lose wherever he is. And I, I try not to pin on him, but I'm noticing that as a consistent point I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want him. I don't want him. I'm not. I'm not going to blame him for the other teams losing. Um, I just. I just don't want him. There's other guys I want more than him. He's, he's 30 years old now. We don't need. We don't need to be signing guys who are in their 30s to long to, to any more long term deals. I mean, that's why you're in the situation you're in.
0: Yep, and then Brian J. saying Kaner is great there, and uh, Brian P. saying uh, Kane and Barzy would be incredible together. You talk about two guys who play a similar style of game there with that speed and have unbelievable edges who would really be able to feed off of their offensive production. That would be quite an incredible uh, incredible tandem.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I mentioned it earlier. How would you love to have those two together? They'd be fantastic.
0: Hmm. Yes, grumpy old man. And here we go. Tom's saying character, work ethic off the ice, volunteer efforts, et cetera, things that make everyone better people. And again, like the Islanders team and the Islanders have always been a close knit group, but I think he is the antithesis of an Islanders captain. I've always believed it, always will.
1: He's as much as I paid. believe
0: the amount, as much as I believe the amount he's getting paid, as well as the cap that or the term that he was tied to is unjust, he's always the antithesis of a perfect Islanders captain.
1: I am not criticizing him as a person but you don't get paid $7 million a year for your work ethic off the ice or your volunteer efforts. You just don't, you're getting, you're getting paid to produce on the ice. That's why you're getting paid the big bucks. And that's the issue I have with him. I, I like is that they would have brought him back on a four year deal for 5 million per, even though I did, wouldn't have liked it. I would not have had really as much of an issue. Um, but seven years, 7 million for what he brings to the table, uh, Playing wise is just too much. Mm -hmm. Like I said, he doesn't do anything extraordinary in my.
0: Yep, grumpy old man. And then Alexander says, uh, Mayfield sometimes likes to play like a second goalie in a crease next to Varlamov. That's right. I forget that he likes to try to line himself up when, when things all hell breaks loose and try to line himself up behind Varlamov to play there as an extra goalie. And that, oh, yeah, that's right, grumpy old man. Um, and then Brian J. saying, Jack Eichel would, would look nice. Um, I'd rather have him than line A. I was about to say, Jack Eichel could skate too now.
1: He's a center though, is he not? He's not an
0: he, center? Yes, he is. Mm-hmm, grumpy old man. He is, is Brock Nelson? I mean, like, again, Brock Nelson hasn't performed great this year. I think Brock Nelson's going to be here for the long haul because what he brings. But again, I, you know, you have if you have cap, you have availability. But again, we have so many different moves that we'd have to make in order to free up enough cap for anybody like that. Uh, grumpy if, old man.
1: If you're saying a straight up deal, Nelson for Eichel, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, they would never take that though, grumpy old man. No, I uh, got a few more here to rattle through before we kind of wrap things up. Right around two hours, grumpy old man. Alexander saying, "I don't know his name." The kid from Vancouver that was uh, Brock Besser, uh, who's a former top five or Brock Besser. Was he a top five pick?
1: I don't know. Maybe I don't. Maybe he's talking about uh, Pedersen. I think he was number. four.
0: Elias Pedersen grumpy old man? I know he was a high pick there.
1: Besser, they had Horvat. I mean, I know Vancouver's going through a tough week, but I'll tell you what—I like their forward group. I really do. I wouldn't mind seeing them coming here. Besser, Horvat.
0: I mean, Brock Besser was a twenty-third overall pick. Yeah, it had to be Elias Petterson because I mean, I thought Besser was later, and so was Bo Horvat. Um, but again, they've got a lot of offensive talent. They just
1: Horvat's a leader type too. He's absolutely a leader type. He's somebody who could fit in with this. I think he'd fit in really well with this team. Hmm.
0: Grumpy old man. Uh, and this is, I'm sure, the same exact uh, thought process you're at Brian Jay saying here, talent over anything else. I don't care what you do off the ice, to be honest. Uh, well, and, that's know, not I'm, what
1: you get paid for. That's not what you get paid for. I mean, I, like I said, I don't, I'm not criticizing him as a person at all. It's just what he brings to the table. That's all. Mm-hmm.
0: Grumpy, we are right at two hours, a little over two hours, Grump. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap things up here today? An odd Sunday evening special, Grump.
1: Yes, I, I like Saturday nights better because now I got a I got to focus. I got the work week starting here, so in a couple hours I, I work a little bit after midnight uh, for a couple hours and then I start my day at eight o'clock in the morning.
0: Well, Grumpy, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast and the live stream as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much everybody who participated in the live stream and listens here to the podcast. Again, Grumpy Old Man love grumpy old man and myself love being able to interact with everybody who listens to the podcast um, and talk and, and, and just give our opinions a live time with what your ideas are for Islanders and Islanders hockey in general. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and tuning in. And, Grump, thank you again as always. Same to you.